I do love a tea. I do love a tea. <laughs> I I have to have like a little hot water with lemon, like at the end of my day. Ooh. You know, that's that's a like Ali's done doing anything today. If I have a hot water with lemon, like you can't ask me for a favor after that. <laughs> it, it's like a universal signal of like I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same, but like with fermented grapes. So I'm also very healthy, Ooh, very good. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I feel like what's Fruit. rough is when you are like, I need, I'm craving a hot water with lemon and it's like 11 a.m. <laughs> You're like, mm, you still have to work, girl. <laughs> There's so much work left. There are things she thinks I've given away that are actually me messing with her, but she doesn't believe. I don't believe you. That it was me messing with her. She's told me if I if it turns out that that was all a setup, I don't trust you, and I'm leaving you. <laughs> and I'm very concerned for when we finish the books. <laughs> I'm like, you know I what? can't trust you if you're that good of an actor. Like, yeah, best lighting is a real thing. And we we love a good gust light as we cackle yes. away in the Discord, and then also fear for our lives because <laughs> Allie's predictions are horrifying and intimidating and brilliant. And then also, perhaps she should have been asked to finish the books when she was I don't know, <laughs> what were you like four years old? Uh, that would have been four. She would have been fourteen at the time. Fourteen years Perfect. old. Yeah. So I wouldn't have done a very good job then. Definitely not. No, <laughs> definitely not. But if they want me to finish it now, let me know. You're on it. Um, but we're not here to talk about the no, books. No. We'll take. So no, go ahead. Do your, do your intro. We'll shut the we, yeah, we'll we are up. here. I guess I'll just do. I'll just do it from the whole the whole thing. Welcome to Feather Mountain Podcast Season Two. Episode 16, a.k.a. our season finale. I am your host, Delusions of Grendel. With me, as always, is my co-host, Graham Confusion. Graham, how you doing? I am getting ready for Christmas. That's what I'm doing. I'm just singing Christmas carols and making Christmas cards. And This episode comes out after Christmas. I'm still getting That's ready okay. for Christmas. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're not editing on Christmas. He's getting ready for next year. <laughs> yeah, it's a lifelong commitment. You haven't seen this my Christmas cards you yet. Like. You know the girlies who bust out the Christmas decorations at Halloween. He's way ahead of you. Uh, for you guys, I, I bust them out after Veterans Day. That's that's when I make them. They, they can make an appearance yes. after Veterans Day, and then that's yeah. how we do it. Anyway, I'm doing okay. I will say, without spoiling our show, Don't spoil. I'm a little bummed. At mm. the finale of episode eight. But mm. not about the finale of our show because of our season, because hey, we're joined by Wheel Takes, Allie and Gus, dialing in hot from Michigan. Allie and Hello. Gus, Ooh. how the fuck you doing? The we're weather outside is great. frightful. <laughs> we are used to weather that is 40 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than the weather we're in right now. Uh, I'm dying. And we're thrilled to be here because the company is warming our hearts well past <laughs> 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which is something like 33 degrees Celsius. You're such a beautiful little kiss ass. I love you. <laughs> Actually, 70 degrees Fahrenheit would be 22. I, I oh, Also God, balmy. Totally That's a Calgary wrong. summer. <laughs> I got 40 and 30 mixed wrong. up. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's some good mental math. I can't, it's math I can't even do. Yes. <laughs> I, I refuse. And that's why 
Siri and Google are my best friends. Best friends. When they're like, you're one day you're going to be walking around without a calculator. I'm like, when? When will Literally I ever be when? walking around without one? <laughs> it's with me at all times. <laughs> Not a time in my life, ma'am. Revisit that grade four problem. Am I on a desert island? What's happening? At that point, I will just die. <laughs> Survivor. You don't have your watch on. It's charging. Mm. Um, Survivor. Okay. Uh Huge Survivor fan, huge Survivor <gasps> fan, huge Survivor fan, huge Survivor, huge Survivor fan. Oh, very huge. cool. A very good season, this one that just wrapped up. Uh, We're a little behind. We're behind. The, the podcast Ooh. has absorbed most of our headspace for that. Yes, but we but, do know uh, who won. We know who won. Oh, that's so, too bad. It was controversial. We heard controversial things about this winner. Uh, you know what? In the finale, I think he showed his chops. That's yeah. all I'll say. I think yeah. he showed his chops. We're, he was good. And, and we're ex- well, go ahead. I, I was just saying, like, I, when it came down to it, I didn't really care who won because they were all really good contestants. The last six contestants were all really strong. When they mm-hmm. busted out the dude from uh, L.A., uh, that was the then it could be anybody's game. And everybody yeah. didn't. Everybody played down the guy who won, and his presentation at the end was the best. That, that's why he a strong win. PowerPoint. I know because I definitely watched Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not a Survivor fan? I just don't Wait, have cable I have, TV. <laughs> I have to ask who your favorite winner is. Of all time? Of all time, yeah. That's a hard question. It is a hard question. I'm going to go with Tina in season two. Ooh, I yeah, love no, Tina. Yeah. Just, so just because cute. the way that she and Colby played it off, nobody knew. But I think that's yeah. also editing, you know. But, uh, I'm a big Sandra Diaz Twine fan, and I will not uh, apologize for that. I know she's, she's won it so, twice. So I, I'm like, she's got to be. And if the fact that she wasn't an immediate vote off the next couple times that she came, I'm like, that's got to show how good she is. I think yeah, there's yeah. something to be said for JT in his first season, JT. and only in his first and season, o- and only that. <laughs> I, I didn't time... know, although when I went back and started looking at the pictures, I didn't realize Rafe Judkins was on Survivor, and we actually I did know. that research, and I saw the picture of him as he's on, I'm like, oh yeah, and I was actually mm-hmm. thinking yes. he was going to win, and then he got oh, yeah. double-crossed towards the end, yeah, baby Rafe. I do, know, do, it feels do, like do, the do. intersection of all of my interests, <laughs> Wheel of Time and Survivor. Survivor. I, know. I need to go back and rewatch Guatemala, because I remember literally 13? nothing. 13, season 13? Eight? It was early, wasn't I, it? It was early, but yeah. I think yeah. it was 13. I think you're right, like around 13. Um, I got of, Gus into Survivor. Oh, this is the fun fact about us. One of them. Well, yes. Uh, have you ever, have you yeah. ever applied? Oh, 11. Nice. Have you mm-hmm. ever applied for Survivor? I, I have. have. I haven't yet. I we have. We meet Jeff Probst once. We did. This oh, was very, exciting. very, very fun. Guy. Really nice. We were on Talked the way with to us the, for way too long. We were on the way to the gym, and Gus is wearing a Survivor buff because he works out of them. And Jeff was driving by in a golf cart, and he literally turned the golf cart around to talk to us. Wow. It was so cool. He, he goes, "Is that a Survivor buff?" And he turned around and he talked to us for like twenty five minutes. He's such a nice dude. But what he Survivor was really buff? nice. I think it was uh, Heroes, Healers, Hustlers. Yeah. Buff. It was the only good thing that happened in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was January. And I remember posting about it and going, 2020 is starting off strong. That was it. That was the high point. And then what can and go then wrong? In the year of the survivor. <laughs> God was like, you need this for what's about to <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> that was so um, funny. 
But speaking of Rafe Judkins, before we jump into episode eight, we can briefly yeah. talk about his interview with Dragon Mount because yes. he said some fun things. Um, yes. And I'm going to avoid the spoiler things, but he said some fun things about season two. Mm. Um, I only saw bits of that. I know. Uh, I You weren't allowed to watch more, but uh, he said, basically, um, if people who are passionate about the books and only the books and want nothing to be changed from the books, did not enjoy season one, you will enjoy season two much less because we are yes. combining books two and three in a way that like is kind of the books, but not at all the books. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes we're just making shit up uh, so that they all get in their proper place for the start of season three, which is going to be almost exclusively book four, The Shadow mm-hmm. Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is uh, basically seasons mm-hmm. two or season two is a smash, a mashup, if you will, if we're talking glee of uh, The Great Hunt and The Dragon Reborn. And the plot lines will not something maybe that book readers recognize but you guys as book readers and i know uh you're now on book seven is that where you're at uh eight, eight. We, are, yeah. we are through the beginning the of eight so it hardly counts yeah but, but still i mean you're you're well ahead um isn't it nice to watch something where you can't know exactly what's going to happen i oh, agree oh, oh believe me i i could not support this more <laughs> uh, I, I love the early books. I think they're a ton of fun. Uh, without giving anything away, Brandon Sanderson, who finished the series, has described the first three books as all of a kind, and that kind is classic quest fantasy. And I think classic quest fantasy is is tons of fun, very enjoyable, a great way to start. Right. And and once you've started, I think it is. It is it is good to move to the next phase to the doom and level, right? When you the get to politics, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And without giving anything away, it is fair to say that it, it progresses towards the doom level by the time we get to the fourth book. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, rather than spending our time going, "Isn't this quest fantasy fun?" and then going, "Never mind, it's Dune," might be it's better a, spent going. Let's, sudden let's move towards shift. Dune. It can feel like a sudden shift, and yeah. I think. Um, And I mean this with the most love and respect that a lot of the early books are very like splitting up the party. Now we're bringing them back. We're splitting up the party. Now we're bringing them back. And I think that that is fun. um, But that there is some of that in the interest of getting to what I think is the more. There are a few things about this. One, they're trying to do 15 books worth of content in eight eight seasons, roughly. Yes. With eight episodes apiece. So there's going to be a lot that they have to... It's a jigsaw puzzle at that point. They've got to break everything up and try to put it back together in a way that makes sense. And that's going to involve some editorializing and it's going to involve some cut slicing and dicing and putting things together when they did, weren't together in the first place and trying to add some character development in places where there aren't any because they're not going to have an actress like Rosamund Pike sit on ice for an entire season right. that's just not right. going to happen right so there's going to by necessity have to be more that that character gets to do in season two because she sits on ice for a little while by the way I, sh- I should mention if no spoilers if, intended if you're not no, I knew that. I should, with, 
Well, I knew that because when I was sit- I was actually watching it for the first time with Grendel, and she goes, at the- "We started watching episode eight, and she goes, what are they going to do with Moraine? Because something has to happen because she has to be around. They can't let Rosamund Pike go away for a season. So not gone girl, Rosamund Pike. Absolutely she she not. not gone yeah, girl. She's, We're not doing that. Yeah, she's got to be. Yeah, she's not going to be gone girl. She's going to be present girl. Present. Um, <laughs> present struggles. Yes, present struggling girl. Um, so there just has to be a little bit more, I think, uh, in terms of, you know, you've got Daniel Henney, you've got Rosamund Pike. Those are some pretty decently mm-hmm. big name actors. You have to give them things to do um, to justify the the price and the presence and <laughs> all of it. Everything else. So like, yeah, as someone who's been reading these books for like 23 years now, I am so excited to see a season of tv where like i know where everyone needs to end up but how do they get there and i'm excited to see what themes they pull especially having read origins now and like the themes that are in there and some of the things that may have been contemplated by jordan but not implemented which we started to see in the first season i'm so excited Mm -hmm. to watch that continue to play out and knowing some of the things at least that origins touched touched on it's pretty clear to me that Rafe and the writer's room has access to Jordan's notes oh definitely I think in a way that most book readers don't understand um Mm -hmm. and uh anyway uh Rafe kind of touches on the um excitement he has for some of the characters that we're going to see in season two and how the writer's room and people who walked into that room and hadn't read the books now know so much about those very small minor characters like more than book readers could even fathom knowing and that is what they're bringing to the table and like this rewatch going through the show like season one breaking it down I've just come to appreciate more and more how much the writers do know about the books and respect the series and are like giving us easter eggs like by the bushel full is that Mm. how eggs are delivered can you have a bushel of eggs no because they probably break but you can't go (laughs) through life without breaking a few eggs you know what i mean (laughs) it's true it's true i've broken my fair share (laughs) but it's not uh, too dissimilar from um uh i don't know if you're lord of the rings fans but uh the 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 rings of power controversially yeah (laughs) the rings of power i knew how things have to end but I don't know right. how they get there. And Tolkien didn't write about um, the second the second era. So to me, it was really quite entertaining to, to have it come together. And I was really blown away by the end because obviously the writers knew mm-hmm. way more than I gave them credit for in the first two episodes. And it was yeah. uh, it was wonderful. I really, I loved the season. So I, I think my reaction to Rings of Power would be very similar to what you guys are going to go through. Uh, you guys are way deeper than I am into the Tolkien, but what you'll, you'll love it, I, 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 I suspect, especially as they match yeah. stuff together. I mean, yeah, I don't, we, we I, I don't are, know if I'll love it on first watch or if I'll say and just and then stare, I can sit down and break it down for you. <laughs> and then just like have to give it like I you have to watch it at least three times before you can like separate text yeah, from screen, my, I think. Yeah, my and feeling is fair. have your feelings in the first watch. And certainly I I did. I was like, I have to watch it once to just like be like, what are my feelings? Feel the and then the second time through, go like, all right, what are they doing with what the material is? 
But for fun, because I, I work in, in TV. Yeah, we, we both work in the entertainment uh, industry. And so for funsies, I sat down and I looked at the next couple books. And I was like, how would I do this in two seasons? You know, like books two, three, four. And I was like, because like theoretically, you know, something that happens in book four, look how careful I was, would be a really great season finale. It'd be a really good like place to end on. How do we get there by the end of season three? So how do we truncate these four, these three mammoth books into, into two seasons of eight episodes apiece? So I sat down for funsies and I was like, I'm going to just try and map it out. And it took me like three hours <laughs> um, and like a lot of coffee. Um, but I think I've kind of like figured out the way that I would do it. But it honestly gave me an like almost gave me an ulcer. I was like, this is like going to be hard um, to do without making making some people feel feelings and feel like feels and the, you know what? Feel the feelings like it doesn't mean, you know, like I mean, I certainly watched the Harry Potter movies even though uh, once upon a time and it was like, I was the person mad that they didn't have the scene with like the trolls in the garden where they like threw the trolls with their little feet. And now Um, I'm like, of course they cut that. But I was furious at the time. I you're allowed. We we actually rewatched Prisoner of Azkaban. Don't worry. We owned it previously. Trans lives matter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Trans lives matter. We we did own it previously, but like I came back and we were watching Prisoner of Azkaban. And I was like, this like it is my favorite Harry Potter book. And the rage I felt watching that book on screen when I was a youth. And now I watch it, I'm like, nah, Alfonso Caron, like he got it. He understood he how it. to do how to like sell this to audiences. And I can oh, yeah. release like my need for things on screen, like when Harry gets his firebolt at the end of the movie instead of when he should have got it before a very important Quidditch match. And he was not then. It was it was very high stakes in the book because was he going to be able to ride the firebolt? Was he not? Anyway. <laughs> different story. But it's a different you know, story. It's, it's and a different it's telling. a different medium. I mean, that's the thing I think that people yeah. forget is that what we're trying to do on screen that we're not having to do in the books is um, make things a lot more visual and a lot faster Um, because by necessity, like anything action does have to be pretty quick um, while still like building up the characters and giving us those character moments. So it's a really delicate balance. Um, And like, certainly people can feel upset like everyone's feelings are valid. You can not like it, not like the choices would have done it differently. I think my encouragement always is to think like, what would I have done differently rather than just be like, this is bad, you know? Cause I think it's just a lot more beneficial mentally to do that and be like, Oh, like, let's, let's look at it a, like a puzzle and like, let's see how I would have solved it differently. But like also realize that that's just your interpretation of the puzzle. And we also so don't no, like, know where the they're right answer planning. To we mm-hmm. don't know where they're planning on taking a lot of the storyline. So we'll get into that as we dive into the episode eight analysis. Oh. I do just want to touch on a couple other things that are very small that Rafe said, but I liked that he was setting expectations for book readers just to say, hey, um, what you're looking for, if you like those books, that's great. You've always got them, but things that you might have liked in there will not be on screen. And that's okay because who needs another fridging? Am I right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He also said uh, he corrected 
I guess um, they put the question to him that uh, there was a Delhi Comic-Con had like, there was an article that came out from that that basically said Wheel of Time would be released in early 2023. And Rafe corrected that just to say it will come out in 2023. I don't know if it will be early. They are still working on lots. So the filming is done, but the VFX is still Mm -hmm. ongoing, the editing, everything. Um, So do not expect it in early 2023. Uh, And I'm still passionate about my April date. I will adjust it to May because I don't think May is early in the year. Um, Yeah, I would agree with that. I've become open to September now as well. I would not like it um, for conventions and things, but I would be open to it. So, Rafe, if you're listening, I accept your proposal of May or September. <laughs> he's so grateful for that. I think I think as we... Rafe's Amazon shill, I will tell you he's really grateful for your support. <laughs> Thank you. We had we had originally forecasted after season one late Q1, early Q2. And so if we have to shove that back to late Q2, early Q3, or even late whatever, I mean I I think probably either if they can't get hmm, is my feeling if they can't get it in before the summer, it will be the fall. Yeah. Uh, Because summer's a rough date to stream to put anything out. It's a rough period because no one's like in town. Everyone's like off doing whatever they want to do. So my thing about that, and I've seen some people online having feelings about dates and, you know, I'm sorry. I say people are having feelings and I really mean it in the most respectful way possible. I keep saying it the same way. They're having feelings. Totally understood. And they're like, well, if we don't get a cons- get consistent release dates, does that mean something bad? Just, you know, and I'm going to say uh, streaming has changed a lot. So the consistent, like they must have it at the same time every year is has changed. Um, I think likely they also don't really want it to be uh, close to House of the Dragon or uh, Rings, Rings of, of Power, which both are going to be bigger, as much as we love the Wheel of Time, bigger properties that are going to take more people's attention, right? So we don't want to have a third competing show in that slot. Um, I would also posit that there right? was a I big issue. I would say issue. poor Andor suffered from that when it came out in September. Yeah. Yes, and on absolutely. later it watch, absolutely it's did. a fabulous, it's an incredible series. You have to watch Andor. If you oh. have not watched it, it's, it's high on our list. Yeah. I've yeah. heard the annoying thing about working in TV is like, everyone's like, you have to watch this show. Have you not, have you not watched the show? And I'm like, I'm so busy making TV. I don't have time. To- <laughs> Shit. It's so annoying. I'm like, I don't have time to watch it. Cause I'm busy. Like I'm like, <laughs> trying to do the thing I'm working but, on the next yes. big thing you wouldn't get it but and it then the next big thing list. comes like two seconds later and you're like oh my god how do i feel like i'm like in debt to the mob or something like i'm always a little behind <laughs> like give me some time i'll catch up um but i think uh i think the other thing yeah it's competing against properties streaming has changed a lot when it comes to like releasing shows um and that time slot and i also think potentially it's a sign that they're taking very seriously what i th- heard of uh, as a very common critique which is that the vfx were not to people's liking so i think that likely they're taking the vfx very seriously this time around it does take a lot of time and effort to do well we know that they've gotten a bump in their um 
budget, budget. Mm-hmm. this time around. I think likely a lot of that is going to VFX. And I think it will be reflected in the show that ultimately gets put out. Um, but I think, you know, I would much rather have a project that they spent a lot of time on um, rather than a rushed product. And that's sure. just where I'm at. I also think that, you know, even though we're like living in this world where we're like COVID's over, right? Like th- we have to keep in mind that the season was still affected by COVID and that like the industry as a whole is still very much affected by COVID. And, like, like everything is much, so much still. Like, yeah. The supply chain issues, still a problem, right? Like recession issues, still a problem. All of these different um, things that factor into the equation are still very valid. And so I would rather in this time that is very uncertain, have them st- spend a lot of deliberate time on the show rather than rush out a half-assed product and then have it fall apart. So I actually think it's a good sign that they're taking yeah. more time. I think it's, uh, especially with VFX, um, it do- it doesn't bother me. I, I I like to be the person that's like, I'm not panicking. <laughs> I'm not panicking at this moment. Like, hey do man, I- It took James Cameron 13 yeah. years to get Avatar 2. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to take 13 years to get this show off the ground, but you know, it is eight see it is eight hours of content, right? And so it's At a least. lot of time. Yeah, because yeah, it did indicate that like we'll probably be getting longer episodes because now they're they know that they're geared up for an eight episode season instead of a 10 episode season. So he's pushing for longer run times instead of what we kind of got was around 57 minutes per episode. So that was a positive I took away from it. The only other thing I want to touch on. Um, is the question about God of War because oh, of yeah, course people yeah. people let's put go. it to him and they're like, so you're show running God of War, you hate the Wheel of Time and you're abandoning this project. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and effectively all he had to say was, I've been working on God of War for a long time. Um, I'm working with the ex- like two writers from The Expanse. They're amazing. They're so great to work with. You know, I'm taking things that I've learned from Wheel and bringing that to God of War, vice versa. We're sharing, we're caring, we love it. Um, And I've always worked on other projects concurrent, like with The Wheel. Like this is not going to be a change. It is just another title. And I, I believe that his heart and his passion is still very much invested in The Wheel of Time. But if you are having 18 to 24 months between seasons, that's a long time to not have things to do as a showrunner because you're not mm-hmm. there with the VFX. Mm-hmm. So like, why can't he, he run two shows at the same time? It's a different industry than like the early 2000s dramedy era. Yeah, where you got 30 episodes yeah. a season. And even, and even then, I mean, you've you've there people. It is not uncommon it's more common now, but it has never been super uncommon that someone show runs multiple shows. Yeah, Joss Whedon did Joss it. Joss Whedon did it. Shonda Rhimes Shonda does Rimes. it. Uh, we uh, love her. Mike Schur. Mike Schur show Mike runs sure. things at a time. Yeah, has a bunch Parks of projects. And Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Good Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... Granted, I, then I would love to be in that place someday. Yeah. <laughs> that would be dope. Yeah. And I mean, certainly it's a very demanding job. Certainly it's, especially with a show like The Wheel of Time, it's important to note that he's not doing that job by himself, that like there's two other very accomplished creators at the helm that are working on that project, which makes a very big difference. Even if Um, their title is not showrunner, that that 
changes Rafe's titles in Hollywood are very flimsy, very variable, very flimsy. They mean a lot of different things, which is why people, when you're meeting with them and you're like, oh, I was a producer on this. You have to be like, what does that mean to you? (laughs) So where Rafe is head of story for all intents and purposes for Wheel of Time, he might be the logistics guy for God of War. Yeah. For all we know, he might just be the relationship guy. He yeah. might be kind of he's like, definitely yeah, definitely not good. the head of the writers. Yeah. room. And I think is pretty clear from just from his huge. And yeah. Without like saying anything that I shouldn't say, it's it's been going on for a while. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's been going on for a while. So like you know, I that uh, he's been doing both, and um, yeah, I it's not unusual, especially now. There's a huge problem in Hollywood where where there are just not enough showrunners for the amount of shows that are out there. Again, streaming has completely changed the game. It's become a huge problem because there has not been as much mobility upwards as there usually is in the writer pipeline. Um, So you're getting either the situation where you're like, okay, we have to take a risk on a co-EP that has never run a show before, which is a lot. That's a co-executive producer. They're a couple steps below a showrunner. They're immediately below they're one step below a show right, right. <laughs> he'll he'll do the explaining i'll just talk but um and then uh or you take you take on a creator who has this great idea who has never done it before and what a lot of people are doing now is they're going okay that's a big risk either way um so what a lot of people are doing and it's also just not fair to like a young creator who's never even been on a staff before to be like all right now you're running a whole show staff is where you have like 10 writers in a room kicking ideas around yeah so (laughs) but it's happening so they're basically being like okay let's pair you with a older more experienced showrunner who can help you do whatever but yeah, there's just not enough showrunners to go around. They're starting to retire. It's become a big problem. My thing just fell out of my ear, but I'm going to keep talking and you can find it. Uh, so <laughs> so there's this big problem where, uh, where, yeah, we're having a lack of that. And so um, showrunners are having to do more shows than they have in the past. Um, so, and it's not, it, so, so in it, short, it must say something that like, you know, for Amazon to be like, hey, Rave, God of War, it's going to be a huge project. We trust you. Would you show run this as well? Like, let's all take some confidence from that. Um, let me put it this way. I, there is some failing up in Hollywood that certainly happens. Um, <laughs> it is part of it. But uh, probably no, not this case. Uh, failing upwards. But it happened. Failing upwards happens in like, oh, you got rejected from this, but it led you to something. You else. met this other guy. But you met this other guy, and then or he they got a good you. impression of you, so you failed upwards. Um, no one wants to. Once you like really screw up a job, no one wants to work with you. It becomes very difficult to get work again. Like every job feels very high stakes because your reputation in Hollywood is everything. So if Amazon, which is a big corporation run by people who are not stupid, right, goes to Rafe and says, hey, we feel very confident in the work that you've done for Wheel of Time. So we're also going to see if you can do God of War. That is probably what happened. I, I would um, also... They're not They're not dumb. <laughs> they're not going to be like, hey, so you screwed up the Wheel of Time. So let's see you screw up God of War as well. That never will happen <laughs> ever in the history of the planet. I would also say just <laughs> they're just happy to, with the work he did. Just to grimly prognosticate for a moment, if if the worst is true and and Rafe has decided yes he wants to migrate shows, uh, many many highly successful, well known shows that you probably love have changed showrunners multiple times. 
and I don't think this will happen with Grey's Wheel. Anatomy's had so Grey's many Anatomy, show Walking Dead, Walking uh, Dead, Gossip Girl. I think Gilmore Girls at one point had. Yes, a show Gilmore Girls, a showrunner got replaced. Many, 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 point. many, many shows have showrunner changes. I don't think that will happen. But if it does, worst case scenario, Wheel of Time is a pretty hot property. It'll be fine. <laughs> like we've already lived through on like. Met Coffin leaving and getting recast, mm-hmm. and we survived. So, and honestly, I think great. that recast, they've got a really easy way to explain it, which is the knife changes people. Oh, I mean, you get it. Dick, yeah, look at it. I, I'm so, like, that if they is, don't do that, I'll eat this phone, right? <laughs> I make some kind of explanation like that or ignore it entirely. I'll eat this phone. <laughs> I want a cold open that is just like transitioning from Barney Harris to Donald Finn's face and blaming That'd it on cool. the dagger. That's my dream. Yeah. It, yeah, it probably shouldn't happen. Because it would be the Why would you change your face? Like, I could see a, you know, a previously on with Barney and then it cuts straight to Donald in the same spot. You know what scene it would be? That that moody scene in episode eight where he's looking ahead and they've replaced uh, uh, Shadow Shadow Logoth, Shadow Logoth or... with uh, Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the same thing. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the sulky. Yeah, yeah. Grumpy, Barney, yeah. Um But yeah, let's let's talk about episode eight let's because play, Rafe, we love you. Play. 70% of avid book fans also were very good with season one of The Wheel of Time. Love I, the season. I count myself mm-hmm. in that 70%. I was yeah. very pleased with it. And this rewatch of episode eight, The Eye of the World, went down a lot better than it did a year ago. I will say yes. that. I yeah. uh, I really, I actually really enjoyed the episode and I never thought I would say that. Episode eight? Uh-huh. I liked it. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. She was trying to talk me into it last <laughs> night. I still, I loved the first 45 minutes. I look forward to discussing yeah, the last I'm ec- I'm excited because I, some of the reasons why I liked the end of the episode, I can't say, but um, I, I look forward to discussing it. Because, I look forward to discussing all you know of what? it. Talking about it for seven hours just simply wasn't enough. Yes. We- <laughs> If you don't know, we have to come in and talk about it some more. Our episode about the finale was seven hours long, at least, and it was yeah. hilarious because when we dropped the episode, people were like, "What kind of idiots would do a seven-hour podcast about this episode?" And we just wanted to address everyone's concerns, so we were trying to like go through all the all the like things that had come up on Twitter and really like do our due diligence. And then everybody afterwards was like. All right, every second of that podcast was necessary, and I think it should have been longer. <laughs> Would you double it? Uh, we will not be doubling it tonight because we, tonight we are not. We will appeasing, not be doing that. We are not appeasing anyone tonight. Tonight <laughs> is all about your real feels with the episode. It's yes. been Good. a year. We can talk about them. Um, yeah, people can either process their shit or not. And rewatch it or not. Um, We're not that's holding not your our hands. concern. I'm, I'm We're just not doing say, that anymore. Rewatch it. And, and as a whole, the season is wonderful. Like it really is great. And I, really I, this is. is a light reader who just likes fantasy, who just tried to watch it as a show, but was still disappointed. I love the season up until the last 15 minutes. And, and we will change your mind totally tonight. You will not have decided. Or we won't. Or we won't. And, like, and that's I'm okay. I'm that's stubborn. I'm a gray-haired white man, for God's sakes. You can't change my mind about anything. 
Let's talk I politics for just enjoy, a bit. I, well, I knew I'd enjoy worse. you. You could be an American. Yes, it could be <laughs> worse. It can always be worse. <laughs> We're American. We can say we that. Can say that. Um, <laughs> you can always be worse. Your neighbors down south know. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I think my initial reaction to the episode, it was really funny to me because I was really nervous coming into this episode. I'll be honest, because they had the least to go on because I was like, I feel very strongly that I read the end of the Wheel of Time coming at. Right. Sorry. I've not. I do that all the time, by the way. Yes. I have. Yes. To me, they're all the same. (laughs) To me, the Wheel of Time is each individual book. But I read the end of The Eye of the World and I was like, who the hell is this green man? This jolly green giant just showed up and started stepping on people. I don't know who these like decaying, decrepit dudes are. (laughs) Who are these Um, corpses? Why are they sexually assaulting people in like these like zip up suits? Why is there a man in a bondage suit? I I just looked at Gus and I was like, what is and happening? He's dead. And I mean this the most respectful way possible. What the hell is happening? We're and flying. So I thought there's ropes. And the, yeah. So I thought, well, <laughs> I just I I think about this often when we when we talk about the show. I think about it often, not from my perspective, Lots but like yelling. if my mom was to watch this, and my mom is like not a fantasy person, but she did really love Game of Thrones, with the, which was the shock of the millennia. It truly was. <laughs> <laughs> Her favorite episode she being the Red Wedding. But anyway. Yeah. Yes, it was a mm-hmm. shocking, it was a shocking thing because she's usually very like not that. But she, um, you know, I was just thinking about it from her perspective uh, throughout this whole thing. And I was like, really what they're not, tr- they're not trying to cater to me because I'm going to watch it regardless. They're not trying to cater to Grendel because she's going to watch regardless um, or Gus. Um, they're going to cater to like my mom, the people who are new to this series, who are new to the show. And I was like, what they're not going to do to my mother is try to, at the last second, force down Jolly Green Giant down her throat. It is just going to be a no go. The Jolly Green Giant. My phrasing giants. couldn't have been better. The Jolly, Jolly Green, Green Giant don't get jammed. Yeah. Yes. Don't get jammed down that throat. It's just a weird way to leave off this season. It's a terrible visual. I've never met your mother. I just got this terrible <laughs> visual of her in the Jolly Green Giant. But she let's is, go past she that. She is as sweet a lady as you could imagine. It is really the worst thing I could have said. But, <laughs> but you know, like she just, she would not understand what was happening. And we would lose her, right, as an audience member. And like the book lovers are just not a big enough fan base to to take over and be enough of an audience to propel this forward we have to appeal to the sweet midwestern women of the world right we have to appeal to them they're a huge audience base we have to appeal to these people who are coming at this completely unaware to the noontime chardonnay drinkers yes yes to the newly retired we can watch television because we're not trying to make it people you know what i mean like we're We have the time. We have the technology. Our children have set them up for us. We have a password child. Like this, these people, we need to appeal to them. So I was like, they're going to have to change a lot. This is going to be like the least amount of um, carryover source material that they're going to have. And so I had my thoughts about how they could do it. But I was very stressed for them because I was like, this is a hard landing to stick. And I knew this was like, 
the COVID episodes, right? Yes. So I was like, okay, this is going to be an even harder landing to stick because they've had to make a lot of changes at the last minute. And then, so when, when I felt like I, and I felt like I was watching like Simone Biles at the Olympics, right. And did she have a, a small stumble? Yes, but she stayed standing. And that to me was like, all right, baby, good job. We did it. Like I was really pleased. And Gus had initially had some more feelings than I did. Cause I was just elated that it was an episode that made sense. <laughs> Is that horrible? So that's the bar that we're entering episode like, eight with. The bar that I was entering in was, does it make sense? Um, did it look okay? And did it like, yeah, did it have a beginning, a middle and an end that made sense that propelled me into the next season? I, for my part, <laughs> I I enjoyed it more than the end of the first book, the first time I saw it. And I had to think about it for a little while. And then I watched it again and I went, oh no, yeah. This is good. Yeah. This worked. At first, he turned to me. He was like, why are you so happy? And I was like, they did an ending. They and stuck it the was, landing. <laughs> they stuck it. Was there a little hop in there? Definitely. Like, the, it, it's not a perfect score for me. But I was like, but with everything they had working against them and the lack of source material that they could use because it just wasn't going to fly with the audience they were going to try to attract. And even Robert Jordan himself said he would have written that that ending differently. So they had not a lot to go on. I was like, okay, they they hopped, but there were like 45 hurdles. So like, it's, there we go. We did it. A couple it. were not, yeah, I um. I remember watching that episode and it was like a, a couple weeks at this point post birth so you know the the tiny human the hormones are already raging yeah, well the tiny <laughs> human was like shockingly like eating constantly so i was and like you know <laughs> uh i was existing as a person um i wasn't a fully formed person anymore there was a lot going on but i remember watching that episode and i think you had turned to me and you had said well what do you think and I didn't even have words for all of my thoughts because I couldn't process them. And I just said, that needs a rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is, that's very generous. And that's a very valid feeling. Yeah. And like, that's my thing is I'm like, the feelings are valid. You don't have to agree with me. I expected like a cheeseburger and I was instead given chocolate cake. I like chocolate cake. I thought I was going to get a cheeseburger. There are there were different things happening, and that's why, mm -hmm. yeah. Now that's going really through the good season, I, yeah. Um, now I want just met. I was going to give you a lot of credit for that too. That's good. One. Yeah, yeah that was a really <laughs> really good because you're like you're that's that initial like the well, shock uh, of it. You're like I don't. It's I not didn't. that I don't want this. It's just do I want this now? But I like this. But meanwhile, I was expecting dirt, and I got chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wow, like, what oh, is that? <laughs> I'm happy with this. Red letter day for me. <laughs> like I was the happiest. I was the happiest person out there. I literally was like, that might be my favorite episode. And Gus was like, what? And I, it was controversial when I said that because he like posted that online, and then someone was like, Ali's taste. We had to block crap. a bunch of people after that. So yeah, many fun. people, like people the were rage mad at came. Me. And I was like, yeah. well, if you think about it from my perspective, I was expecting dirt, and I got chocolate cake, and so for me, I was like. 
wow, I'm so impressed with all they had working against them that they made an episode. And so from that, like I was like excited by, and I was like, all right. Like for me as like a writer, I was like, from a writing perspective, I was really like nervous for them and that they pulled it off made me so happy. So that's why it was my favorite episode. Cause I was like, I know how like much they had to go through to make that thing happen. And it happened and it, it like didn't fall on its face and throw up. So I was like very pleased. And I will say from like (laughs) what I've seen online from people who watched the show first and then got into the books, I haven't seen any of the only show watchers comment on episode eight in particular. Like no one has been like, it was a great. The green giant. (laughs) No one's crying for semester. No. I mean, everyone's really? weep, weep for Semesta. Weep. Um, okay, change the song. <laughs> weep for Semesta. But I think it, it is telling that, yeah, like a year later when people are still like, there was a ton of people on the heels of Rings of Power who were then recommended Wheel of Time and started watching it. And so like Wheel of Time, I think, got a pretty big bump from Wheels or oh, uh, Rings of Power. And there's a lot of them who came into the fan base. And I have not heard a lot of grievance about episode eight, which makes me think that a lot of my reservations and like, I I do go back now and and like I said, we'll get into it. Um, There are things that are very clearly, well, that was COVID uh, Trollocs. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you. Um, Mm -hmm. But on the whole, you know, if, if that's the, the view that people are coming into this with, that they're not disappointed by it, that they're intrigued, that they're excited, that they're joining the community, that they want to read the books um, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I guess Allie in that vein, like they stuck the landing and now let's talk about maybe the sticky stumbles that were totally. stunked as we tumble, yeah. um, through the air, uh, cold Perfect. open, yeah. cold open. Uh, mm. you have a different opinion of this than I do. Uh, but Latrapasse and Luz Theron in a nursery, Lose clues, baby is just screaming away. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, and they're just casually, while the baby wails, lose junior, maybe. Um, I guess it's a it's a lady, it's a baby lady. Um some may say female. Lose that Luzette Jr. Um Lucy. <laughs> she they're arguing. Over a decision about what what to do with the dark one. It's like, I mean, it had all the makings of a great musical. What do we do about the dark one? Um, and Lou's Clues was like, I'm going to go with my homies, 99 others, and seal it up. Because I got 99 problems, but a dark one ain't one. Okay, I was literally waiting for my moment. And then you took it from me. I and I appreciate you. You, you. you take it. You were talking. So you should take it. Um, and uh, Latra Passe says to him, like, you and your men will throw us back a thousand years or more with this decision. It'll taint, like, what happens if there's a backsplash? What happens if he corrupts the power because of your foolish decision that you're not thinking through? And Luz was like, yeah, but if you come with me, and she's like, I'm not that much of an idiot. I'm not doing it. And he was like, to think the fate of the world is decided in a nursery. And then we pan out after she leaves. He goes to see Lucy. 
Um, he like settles her and he's like, there, there, Bebe, I'm saving the world, maybe. And then we see like it's a Star <laughs> Is that how Wars town. It, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, there, baby. There, there. Silence, the baby child. Needs to stop crying. You are making a scene. You're making a scene. You there, are there. embarrassing me in front of my friends. Be Silence. reasonable. Pip, Shush pip. now. <laughs> we zoom out, and in the subtitles, this was like one of my standout moments from the episode. In the subtitles, it says, <laughs> I think, ship whooshing by. <laughs> subtitles are i have to read them be, i have to have them because i have a, a hearing the, an auditory issue and i love reading like what the <laughs> what they decide to put in for like sh- audio description it cracks me up if you see chittering ever though i'm always like oh something bad's about to happen nothing ever good happened after a chittering let no me tell you no one ever chitters gleefully Yes, chittering, um, bad. But yeah, we pan out over Star Wars Town, a ship whooshes by, and then that same, I mean, if it's been a year, that same image of looking out over that town is pretty similar to the same, the image we got in episode one before we uh, see Leandrin chasing down uh, the... Oh, but we see the relics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Of that, like it's been three thousand years. We see the relics from that town. Um, yeah, that cold open to me. I'm just gonna say, like, I think after watching all eight episodes again, that might be number two for me because n- nothing will ever top Blood Snow. That's no. just that's just <laughs> gold standard. That is one hundred percent unanimous. By the way, everybody we've talked mm-hmm. to, it's like, what was your favorite Blood Snow? It wasn't good, but I didn't even say what it was. What's your favorite? Blood snow. It was everybody. 100%. It, it was. And this is my thing too. And um, I remember, I seem to recall a wee period of time when like a little clip of blood snow came out when she didn't have her shoe on and everyone had a big uproar about the fact that the Aiel weren't going to wear shoes. And we were proven incorrect about this yes as a fandom we were proven incorrect that she was wearing the shufa and then understandably was like i'm giving birth i'm not fighting let me take it off right we understand that that was what was happening but we got we created a big reaction to something that ended up not being a thing so my encouragement maybe in for season my two, what fandom in my, <laughs> that my doesn't happen it's very level-headed perhaps for season two respectfully and kindly just so that like christmas can happen and like the year can happen like haven't we been through enough like can we just wait and see what happens before we decide that it's a disaster and i mean that in the nicest way possible just so that i don't have to do like emergency podcasts where we talk about whether or not this is a disaster for my mental health <laughs> could we just... do it for ali shut up for me and just like have faith because I get tagged in this will. stuff, and I'm like, God, do we need to do an episode about the earrings? Like, <laughs> I'm like, y'all, please. I appreciate the tags so that I can like help people remain calm. But, but I not just, over Christmas I, and not over but this. Like, but like, you know, like sometimes, sometimes we just have to realize that like it's not the end of the world. Like I know we all care very much, and that's important to us. But like, let's let's just try to to see what happens first is my my entreaty but yes blood snow excellent 10 out of 10 excellent 10 out of 10 this one i think falls second for me i was very happy with it 
it gave a lot um, of context, especially as the episode went on and we saw flickers of Luz Theron later on in the episode. And I said, how interesting. And what are they setting up? Um, (laughs) How fascinating. I am intrigued. Uh, But I think, Graham, you may have had a different impression of this cold open than I did. Although there was no snow, it was the coldest of cold openings for me. Hmm. I had no fucking idea what was going on, who was talking, why it was 100% subtitled in a different language. Has the world changed that much in 3,000 years? They don't even speak the same language amongst the Aes Sedai that they did uh, 3,000 years ago. I, th- that puzzled Would me. you understand Julius Caesar if he spoke today? Uh, I'm not Roman. So no. But, but I, you know, Aes Sedai were in the same town because that's where the eye of the world was. And, but the world broke. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, go, maybe, go ahead. I, I want to hear what you, yeah, sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Well, no, it's, yeah, it's just I'm like, I, I really, I had no idea what, where the cold open was opening to and, and or who the two players were. About two thirds of the way through, they introduced themselves at lose means nothing to me. I've never read the books that far. And they've never given the dragon a name prior in the eight Mm. other seven episodes. So I didn't know what was going on. Uh, And then I believe the Aes Sedai lady refers to him as the dragon. It's like, oh, okay. So this is the dragon making his selfish decision to go after the bad guy, the the Prince of Darkness or whatever. And it's obviously he's not getting support, but he's going to do it anyway because he's all about him and he's not about the world because if he had listened to her, then this wouldn't have happened and the world would stay together. This sucks. I hate this. I hate this flow. I don't, I, and I don't get why they threw it in here. I, I got, I'm watching going, I don't care. I, 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 where the <laughs> hell did this come? And why are they doing an episode in season one when really, other than the fact that Rand goes to the eye of the world, I knew that part from the reading the mm. book once. And um, Dama Dragon, I guess they're setting it up for that, but or nothing on the dragon uh, takes on the, the Prince of Darkness, whatever he called me. Amber Eyes, the dark one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it, I didn't. I, I, I watched that part a couple times. I don't I understand mean, the choice. The outfits, but I'm like. Again. Mean nothing to me as a show watcher. Meant nothing, 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 nothing. I don't know book two to fourteen and the prequel. Don't know any of that stuff. It meant nothing to me, and it was confusing. And it really only got slightly referenced later in the episode. You know, you meet the dark one, but um, anyway, the- I think that's all very fair. I think uh, I I, I want to be. Uh, uh, up front and say I don't think there's any wrong way to receive any any piece of media right. as long as it's I'm, I'm not saying this for your benefit but for anybody else's benefit as long as it's respectful which is totally respectful um, I think that's, that's completely fair I think it is it is jarring it is very unlike the rest of what we had seen or, or experienced or heard to that point uh, I think my question to you would be was was it purely off-putting or are those questions that you are holding on to that you are ho- or hoping will be answered in an excitable way later? Uh, I would say to me, what it, what it was trying to do was tell me that season episode eight 
in season one is really about setting up season two and three. That's what it said to me sure. is that this episode isn't so much about closing up season one. It's about setting up the future. But I, as a watcher, wanted at least some closure to the season. Right. Sure. So that's probably the part that left me the coldest on this cold open. Um, so that that's that's where the, the the thing fell apart. And that actually is the same with the ending. To me, the ending sure. of the episode is about setting stuff up for next year rather than making at least one part a tiny little wrap up of this year. And if I'm trying to entice people to watch, I have to give them more than opening five doors and leaving them open and hopefully you're going to come back in 18 to 20 months to watch where those doors go. That, that, that's where my frustration with episode eight in a nutshell is, but the cold open reflects that to me. That That's where I'm at. All I will say is reread the prologue of Eye of the World. I can't. I'm a, I'm a never you, reader. You can reread the prologue. You can read Eye of the World. Uh, you can reread the prologue. It is five pages long. And um, <laughs> what I liked about this this cold open is that some of the confusion that we got from the prologue as a reader, the first time you dive into that book and you're like, what in the blue fuck? What? Who? What? When? Where? Why? How? You understand nothing. And honestly, it takes until like, I would say book five to like fully yeah. go back and like understand what just happened in the prologue. So like me as a show watcher, when this cold open happened, I'm like, you know what? I really appreciate it because they are setting up. Like I wouldn't be surprised if every season finale ended with a little bit of the age of legends, just setting up for what is to come and doing a cold open there where not everyone fully understands. And honestly, like this, this cold open, like in terms of Latra being named, she big, is not in, she's yeah, not in the money. actual 15 books. She she's is referenced in, in extra textural stuff. It's like outside of the books themselves. So they went for like a deep cut with this, where even like people who have read the text may not know who she is, um, which was cool. I thought. So yeah. a nod to the readers, which is fine, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, again, as a Lord of the Rings guy, I always liked it when the director did something to the readers. I mean, uh, I'm a big Queen fan, by the way, in the world of music. Watching Bohemian Rhapsody, when they did stuff Excellent. that only fans would appreciate rather than um, uh, people who are casual watchers who like, you know, the song. Uh, I, I, I appreciated that. And that was like, oh, thank you so much. I, but that's what I wanted to see. Um so I get it, but as a non-reader and somebody just watching it, wow, I was so puzzled as to why, other than the fact that you figure that um, the Dark One will meet up with Rand later that episode, which you kind of figured, right? That once yeah, yeah, Rand yeah, yeah. came out as a great, like that, that's all good. Uh, but the backstory was like, and what's with the baby? I think, well, I, well, babies I think, make I think, the world go round. Yeah, I, I think all of that is... That's very fair. I think it is confusing. I think it's deliberately confusing. Right. Um, I think to your point of opening doors, closing doors, a lot of that depends on whether you think the story of season one is the story of who's the guy or girl, or whether the story is, are we going to win or not? Because I, I think for me, the way they presented season one was the, the question was, who is it? 
And right. we learned that in seven. And then eight was, oh, and what will happen next? Is it over? Oh, no, it's not. That was that was my takeaway. Um, with respect to your other questions about the things that I don't know why it was there. I don't know what it was leading me towards other than to say this, that, and the other. I think there are a lot of parallels. The things I can talk about, I will tell you also, there are a lot of things I, that I can't. That, right. I, that I that I think that when hoping we get season four and five, if you are able to rewatch back through this, I think it will make more sense then. But just speaking of things I can talk about now with season one, um, specifically the baby, what's the deal with the baby? I think uh, uh, a, a running theme in episode eight is uh, responsibility towards what comes next and caretaking and uh and stewardship, right? Because you've got the the scene with Luz Theron holding that baby is reflected with Rand's vision from the Dark One of him holding a baby, and the one the one guy makes a choice for the good of this child that dooms it apparently, and the other guy makes a choice for the good of potentially this not yet existing child, or in spite of this not yet existing child that maybe dooms it, maybe doesn't. So I think, I think the the imagery they were going for there um, was a lot to do with just the responsibility that I have is more than my friends. It's more than, it's more than the people immediately around me. It is the concept of the future. I hold the concept of the future in my hands. And what 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 symbolizes the concept of the future better than a newborn, right? But to your point, it is confusing. It's really damn confusing, especially when we've watched eight episodes of what we suddenly discover is post apocalyptic fantasy. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's, actually, that that uh, vision thing, because obviously I haven't read forward. Uh, looking at that Star Wars view of you know uh, the, the the universal capital with those ships whooshing by and everything, and then you see the environment that's been shown in the first seven episodes. It was like, wow, this is a sci-fi. This this is all about apocalyptic, mm-hmm. like you said, a pop- apocalyptic yeah. world, which um, really had. Been no allude, not been alluded to at all, and that I, I was intrigued by that one little window shot. That was my favorite part of the cold open was that one little window shot. But mm-hmm. I, I would recommend uh, if if you look back over the the eight episodes with that in mind, there are snippets and moments of there was something greater here before that are mm. that are very 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 faint. Uh, they, they ride past what appears to be a collapsed highway at one point. It's just there. It's not called attention mm-hmm. to. It's just kind of there. Um, the the city of Tarvalon looks a hell of a lot more technologically impressive than you could really build. I mean, the White Tower in particular looks impeccably gorgeous. Uh, and there are there are a few other things that I think are are kind of pointed to as going. There's something going on, but it's it's only there if you were really digging for it. You know, and and that's that's not to say it's just for people who like like Grendel and Allie and myself who go, look at that. It's the tower. But it's it's there if if like yourself, you go, what the fuck was this? What the fuck? Why? Yeah. How do they have roofs and then like just cat like just towers, hundred foot high towers and, you know, balconies and all this other See, stuff. I took that as the difference between the country bumpkins and the city folks. And part of that sure. also just goes with like, again, my Lord of the Rings background where the hobbits were in holes in the ground. And then you go to Gondor, which is this fabulous city made of white marble and blah, blah, blah. So to me, or Perfect. the dwarves in their car. So to me, that that just alluded to that there was some skill out there that hadn't gone out to the small towns. So I didn't 
take that futuristic perspective. Um, but uh, I, I actually do want to do a full rewatch after having watched it because a couple of the episodes, just because of our schedule, uh, I didn't get a chance to appreciate as much. And I think my charming better half really didn't jump in, but she wants to again. So I will rewatch them with her. And I, I, I will watch out for those little gizmos too, because that that's intriguing. I cannot even imagine what scene they rode past the highway in. I, I can't. I'll have to. I, I think it's episode... Three. I mean, it, it looks like an elevated road uh, that has collapsed. It's not like an asphalt highway, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. some some kind of grand construction that has collapsed, um, which is a theme some, in the books. Something uh, different that I think this way comes upon uh, yeah, once upon a time. Something um, they know yeah, to. Gus, how did uh, so? Aside from you know justifying, how did this cold open when you watched it the first time, and then when you rewatched it? with some time in between, how does it hit you as an avid book fan and someone who is now very deeply entrenched in the books? Yeah. <laughs> Say that again. Uh, I enjoy it. I really do. I, I think um, not to talk to the books too closely. It's different yeah. than what I would have expected, but I've also come to the point where I, I, I don't always expect it's not, I don't expect it to be what I expect. No. And I, I expect to find something else in what I expect. Um, I think it's, it's, it's quieter than I might've expected it to be, I guess. It's, it's very sedate compared to what we read about. Um, but watching it now, I think it makes, I think it works. I think in the context of the episode and in the context of kind of everything that happens in this episode, being a philosophical debate between good and evil, I like it. It is, it is, it is not what I would have expected for an episode eight cold open. I, 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 I would have expected something a little bit more bombastic and explosive, but I don't dislike it. I do, I do like it. I like it more. So where, where does it, where does it fall for you in like with the other cold opens? So I think I would go good. I think I would go blood snow first. And then, uh, honestly, the white cloak cold open. Ooh, yeah. Love the white oh, cloak. Oh god, it's so good. That's a good one. And this is this is third or fourth, I would say. I'm I'm blanking okay. on some of the other cold I opens. I do love right Swan's now. cold open too. Yeah. Because my favorite was our friend Nathan. Oh god, the cold oh god, yeah. Swan cold open is this is fourth after those those okay. three. That's that's uh, a good rank. It was so funny because our friend Nathan watched, and I will never stop telling this story. So if you've heard it before, I apologize. But our friend Nathan uh was like, okay. So they gave us that swan cold open just to distract us from how much of a fascist she is. And then then texted us a few minutes later. It was like, never mind, they're gay. (laughs) I'm crying now. I'm weeping. I'm getting gay. Yeah, he was like, she's such a fascist. And then five minutes later, he was like, oh, they were like, all is forgiven. (laughs) You know what? Gay or fascist? It's a question that's always asked. <laughs> that could be the, the new opening game. every time you meet somebody. Instead of hello, how are you? Who are you? Yeah, hey, gay, gay or fascist? fascist. Yeah. yeah. And I'm genders. like bisexual, so a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. You could be a gay fascist. So yes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Allie, how did how did this cold open treat you? You know, I it was interesting because I think it grew on me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not expect it as a cold open. I thought it was really interesting because I think, you know, 
when we talk about season structure, right, the season question, and I heard guests talk about this, uh, was who is the dragon reborn? Um, so then the question became after that, like, and what's what now? Right. What's the next obstacle that we can throw in the path of this question? Um, and so then I think it became like it's now becoming, oh, being the dragon sucks, by the way, um, is the is the new thing that we're introducing. Right. So part of it is inheriting this original sin. Right. That Luce Theron has done. And uh, the other, you know, because I think the initial instinct would be, oh, the dragon, being the dragon is a cool and desirable thing to be. Everyone wants to be the special chosen snowflake. Yeah, you're the right? chosen Everyone. one. You're the chosen one. You're the HP. You're, you know, like you're all the cool things. Um, so all the girls will want you and all the boys will want to be you, right? Or whatever. But actually, you're just having meetings with a baby in the room mm -hmm. and not really sure about what you're doing. And then if you screw up, everyone, everyone dies, dies and the world gets set back 3,000 years. How fun. fun is that? As we heard from Loghain, the last dragon broke the world. Broke the world. To I, bind it. I chime in with one more thing, by yeah. the way. I, I think no, uh, you're I, done. I think that's fair, too. Um, but I, I think to your to your point, Graham, about uh, it's the arrogance he seems awful conciliatory to me. You know, he he's saying, this is my, this is my point. And I'm sorry that you disagree, but I hope you respect it. Whereas what we, I think it serves as such a great counterpoint to the first cold open, which is, which is a, a proclamation. These fucking guys were so full of themselves. The arrogance. The arrogance. The arrogance. And then we actually see the guy and he's going, I don't see any other way to do this. And I am really sorry that you don't see the same way, but I, I simply can't. And she goes, well, I hope it's, you're right. It's setting up this idea that perhaps the things that we hold to be truthful about history are actually not the stories that uh, that actually happened. Like the, the things that we might thing. take. Yes. And, That's my reading. Yeah, which I think is cool. And I also think the other thing, oh my God, there was another thing I found cool and I can't even remember what it is. Oh, regardless about how you feel about the cold open, the one shout out that I always want to make is that the actor that plays Luce Theron in that uh, studied how Yosha, who plays Brand, like moved and then tried to copy, like basically act as though he is Yosha. And he copied copy, his mannerisms, which I kicks. think is very cool. Uh, so just as an acting Whoa. standpoint, that's super dope. Is that, that is he went and like watched dope. Brand, watched Yosha on set and tried to adapt Rand's mannerisms so that he could more clearly be the same guy in a different body, which I think is very cool. Um, a very cool actor thing that he did not have to do. Um, so it's a cool detail that I think is fun to watch for in this cold open. Um, yeah, I think the only other thing to say about this cold open is like Max Ryan, you know, you, you, you did great uh, during that one stint. Um, Lose Theron for show, uh, so much hotter. Um, oh. Very certain good dragons may have had a point. I very good land. dragons. I said certain characters may have had a point. All I said was I get it now. I understand. The other um, thing. Ma'am, you are forgiven. I. It's interesting because your confusion is interesting to me because I either did I watch it with someone or I talked to someone who had watched it for the first time and didn't know anything about the wheel of time and their reaction was now i'm trying to remember who it was it probably nathan 
I think it was Nathan, yeah. where they were they were so excited because um they were really, really confused the whole cold open. And then the shot of the the city happened. And all of a sudden they were like, it clicked for me. This is the past, but it's also the future. And, time and, is then, a and then they started, so time doesn't exist. Time is a wheel. And then like really started to understand kind of the metaphysics of the world. And so I think it's interesting. I think in general, it's been interesting to me what the takeaway from this cold open has been because it's been very controversial. Which is completely fair. Which it's it's, it's five minutes of Latin. Not a, yeah. yeah. And but it kind or old English, I guess. Yeah. Right. Like it's like people started speaking like they did in the Canterbury Tales. The oldest yeah. of English. Go older. The oldest. Yeah. My mom. <laughs> this has been a lot about my mom, but my mom memorized for school, I guess, like one of the Canterbury monologues. I mean, who and doesn't memorize Chaucer in their free time? Right? I mean, only, she only her. Um, but she'll occasionally bust it out and it is absolutely unintelligible. So that's fun. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to me what the mixed reactions to this has been unlike the universally beloved, it seems, Blood Snow. So, Universally. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm always kind of interested by things that are controversial because I'm like, I don't know. I like strong reactions. I'd rather have a strong reaction than a meh. Do you know what I mean? Across the board. So I, I'm like, love it or hate it. Like they're, they tried something and are doing something interesting, even if it's it not. Was interesting. It One of you. the things I noticed on the way into the episode is that Rafe Judkins, Rafe Judkins took the writing credit for this mm-hmm. episode. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Grendel here thought that that was probably because there's so much on that sword. Yeah. There's so much controversy in the episode that rather than, because like the Clarkson twins who uh, your buddy, Matt, Thinks to the world of well, many people do because they wrote episode three. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They they came across as uh, some they had a key role in the episode and behind the scenes in the script overview or something like that. The Clarkson group, but anyway, mm-hmm. it was Rafe that uh, when you watch the opening credits, you know, directed by and then written by Rafe Judkins. I went, wow, that's the first time I've seen him in that role on the mm-hmm. eight episodes, and yeah, probably I, I agree with that sentiment because there are so many interesting directions it took he probably said this is on me not we're not gonna throw it on <laughs> so, you guys i'm gonna take this one <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i yeah. mean yeah the showrunner will usually assign episodes so um they'll kind of tell people who's writing what and it's it's always a group effort which is why when people are like but some of the writers don't know the show or don't know the the books i'm like don't worry that's what the showrunner's for like they get a huge in-depth bible I can speak from some light personal experience. They get a huge, if a show exists or has any kind of like anything, they get a Bible describing the world of the show at any question they could possibly have. Plus the showrunner's job is to understand everything and supervise. And then they will give you, they you will brainstorm ideas in the room, right? And decide, you know, what's going to go in each episode and what the arcs of each episode is going to look like. You outline it within an inch of its life. So by the time you're actually taking it home and writing it, everything's been beaten out for you. Everything's been decided. Um, You're not like going rogue by yourself. Uh, And then, uh, and yeah, the showrunner will usually decide who's writing what. I think I should mention also Rafe, Rafe wrote the pilot too. Yes. That's right. He wrote episode one episode. Yes. And And so he, he did the open and close. A lot of the time the showrunner will choose to write episodes that, yeah, might be more uh hard hitting or like 
uh, more high stakes or what have you, because, you know, that that's their job, right? To kind of be the leader, take the take the risks, take the shot, that kind of stuff, right? You, you're the captain, you go down with the ship or, you know, or not, like, you know, depending. But um, yeah, so they usually get kind of like the higher stakes episodes, like the pilot or the last episode of the season. Um, and part Especially of that with too, all, like, why- the writing changes that were happening, like day of on the shoots because of COVID restrictions. Well, well, yes, yeah, so like, like yeah. they found out they couldn't have more than two people in a scene. Well, like we, like Rafe has said, like we found out the day that Egwene and Nynaeve were healing this or filming the scene of Egwene healing Nynaeve. It was supposed to be done with herbs, um, where Egwene was going to use her skills as a wisdom to heal Nynaeve. And then the day of, they found out that like they couldn't have actors actually touching like that. Um, so they had to change, so they had they to change touch, it. Simply couldn't touch at all. I don't yeah. understand why they simply didn't have a Gwen throw herbs at ninety. <laughs> you think that no, would be obvious? Just like a fucking cocky of herbs. Yeah, uh, you know, get a few wisdoms in there; it'll be good. Rosemary, be <laughs> like just like Bobby Flay, like bam. <laughs> yeah, you weren't Ew. allowed to touch. You weren't allowed to, I mean, there was so much, there was, everyone was just trying to figure things out at the time and how to keep people safe. And a lot of it was, yeah, like finding out day of that your entire plan for the day was completely up in smoke for whatever restriction yep. or guideline had didn't change. But you already paid day. the actors. You already paid the They're actors. Already you already got the, the location. I think they had to find a new location, right? They, the lost, their location. they lost their location. The blight was so supposed blight. to be practical. Um, so they had to rebuild that. Uh, they lost all of their Trolloc actors. So everything had to be via. Uh, and by the way, you don't get this money back. You already paid all these people. Mm-hmm. So you lose all of this. Um, yeah, you they probably lose... paid them extra to sit around for a while. Yeah, probably. Honestly, um, they lost Bonnie, Barney Harris. Um, they probably lost a big percentage of their crew because there was only so many people that were allowed on set. They had to hire a COVID compliance officer. Um, so someone had to get trained to go do that. Um, which became a whole industry in uh in that that alone was like 10% of the budget, probably. yeah. Uh oh my god, it's such a huge expense, too. It's a huge expense, and then paying for testing um for the entire crew. Yeah, all of these just like random things that came up. And yeah, they lost the location, but they still paid for it. They lost the trollic actors, they still paid for them, and they had to rebuild a set and pay for that. Um and do VH VFX, Jesus, VHS, what is going on? Um, VFX, which is always a B and a half, and then also is always incredibly expensive, especially if you didn't plan on doing it. So in general, again, I was expecting dirt and they gave me chocolate cake, and I was like, all right, here we go. We We're did good. it. Good job. We like, arrived. Was it a chocolate cake that maybe like had been on Bake Off and was like had been through some things yeah a little like, easy bake you oven. know a little easy bake oven action you know like clearly <laughs> like they had meant to build a rocket ship and what they actually built was like a decent chocolate cake with like a pile of fondant on top yeah still tasted good still though. tasted good I still enjoyed every second <laughs> but like were some of the things like oh that's a COVID problem yeah for sure anyway we're uh, what an hour 45 in and we've talked about the cold open we're, Something we're like good that. we're going there we're where um, this is yeah. what we'll take this, this is for. this is what we're this is yeah go ahead sorry speaking delusions. of speaking of things i enjoyed let's turn 
to things I didn't. Um, so we're going to attack. Okay. We're going to attack this episode uh, by in chunks because good. I yeah. love I love a good chunk. Um, that is uh, my daughter in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> Love them chunky. So we're going to we're going to hit this with uh, Perrin Loyal, Egwene mm. Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, more Lan is going to have a brief appearance, and then we're going to get it with Rand and Moraine at the end. Um, yes. So we're going to power through uh, my least favorite lot of the episode. Yeah, yeah and a fair. shock and a shock to no one. It's Perrin and Egwene. It's Perrin. It's Perrin. Yeah. It's what you mean? Perrin. You mean giving Perrin Matt's plot didn't work for you? Given, oh my God. Okay. So I am just going to stampede what Perrin does this episode and then we'll discuss. Perrin. Please. Perrin uh, exists at the beginning. Uh, him and Egwene have a cute little moment um, where we yes. find out that the love triangle was in fact uh, served no purpose um, because they're fine. They're good. They're totally uh, <laughs> excellent. So why did we introduce that for 30 seconds in episode seven? Still have questions. Still don't know. But we proceed. Um <laughs> Parent stops Egwene from packing a bag and he's like, nah, B, uh, we don't know where they're going, so let's just stay here. And then um, they go to visit Min at a bar and Min is like, would you like a beer? And Perrin says, uh, it's not even noon. And she says, you are the ones at the bar. <laughs> like, check yourself. <laughs> Okay, that was a valid parent moment. <laughs> he would do that shit. Like, enjoyed enjoyed that interaction. Um, and then we have Perrin basically saying to Loyal, like, the way of the leaf, what am I supposed to do? Everyone's out doing things, and here I am doing nothing. And then Loyal is like, well, if you ever find yourself doing nothing, why don't you just ask the question, can I do something? Um, and so they do. Uh, so they they go to Lord Yakuta, uh, who is not <laughs> is not Ingtar. It's Lord Yakuta not and anymore, Uno. Anyway. Um, and uh, Yakuta says to Loyal, "Glory to the builders! Uh, you can help us dig." Um, cool. And then uh, Padden Fane, we get to see a cool little. I actually really love this. Okay. Obviously, Perrin wasn't in the shot, so I loved it. We get a knock, knock, knocking on the door. We get a kingfisher flashes above the pond, secret code. The door opens. Uh, Pad and Fane is there, and the women are like, how did you get this code? And the merger was like, great question. You did. Cut your heads off. Um, so Pad and Fane has entered the building with two Merdral. This comes back to us as they parent continues to dig. They see the horn. We get a little bit of exposition um, that, you know, the horn of Valir is just under um, the throne in Faldara. And that's just where it lives. Uh, and that's fine. And then um, parent sees he's taken a breather from the digging and he sees Pad and Fane, who kind of gives him a little shimmy and a wink. And Perrin <laughs> says, hey, stop. 
And everyone's like, what'd you see, bro? And of course, being parent, he doesn't say anything. He just follows and tries to find the strange man that he saw um, and follows him out of the throne room. So he leaves, he finds a bat, and then he hears screaming, and then he goes back and everyone is stabbed and or dead. We see Patton Fane standing over Loyal. Uh, Patton Fane digs that ruby-hilted dagger extra deep into Loyal and looks at Perrin and then just goes into like kind of monologue territory and was like, do you think it's a coincidence that I was in Two Rivers every Beltine? Um, because why the fuck would I go to that dumbass town every year? Um, we find out it's because there's five Tavir in there. So this is the second time in eight episodes we've heard the word Tavirin. Yes. We heard, that. we heard it for the first time in episode one. Uh, Maureen said there were rumors of four Tavirin. And then we hear it from Patton Fane. And he was like, hey, I heard there were five Tavirin. And by the way, your focal points for the wheel. Oh, we did define do that. I, do Forgot. I need to say it again? Your Your focal points for the wheel and... My master doesn't like that. Um, balance to the wheel is important. Balance to the pattern. So that means that uh, uh, some of you will turn to the shadow. Or um, balance means that you will turn to the shadow. Some of you. And then that's when we get the creepy visual of Matt. Just like with his hood up in Tarvalon. Uh, maybe all of you. Do you do the air quotes around that? With his hood up in Tarvalon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, this goes kind of to the theme of the episode. Patton Fane also says, today isn't the end. It's the beginning. Uh, and Perrin goes to pick up an axe. So he actually makes a move to do something. And then before he can do a thing, Patton Fane says, ah. Gotta go. There, there you go. Tiniest push and you turn to the dark. And Perrin hears that bullying and gaslighting and is like, you're right, I shall do nothing. Um, and then Perrin just walks, watches Patton Fane walk away with the horn of Valir flanked by his two Merdral. And then the only other image we get of Perrin is him looking over the city. So he's just like pensive. He doesn't rush to his buddy Loyal. That we see, he's just like, I'm going to take a moment and reflect and really think about this. Sit with that. Oh, what a guy. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's <laughs> that's what we got. Um, mm. I shouldn't speak about it first. I uh, think. Well, does, does, does Graham, I'd love right. to hear Graham's thoughts. Uh, hmm. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I found him underwhelming this episode. Uh, mm -hmm. I really wish he had taken that axe and gone forward and tried to do you a little. I wish he had whelmed. I wish he had whelmed. I wish he had gone to that darker side because even though he was instigated, that necessarily isn't necessarily being dark because you're protecting the good. Um, anyway, uh, I, I found the little love clarification scene between Perrin and Egwene awkward. At best, and I actually didn't like Marcus's acting in 
that scene at all. I got to say, I've, I've liked Marcus most of the season, Marcus Rutherford, but I found him pretty stilted in in that scene. Probably because he was like, "Why the fuck is this in here?" Yeah, I love <laughs> him too. Oh, good for you. Um, we we have a thought on that. I'll I'll tell you in a minute. So yeah, but keep going. <laughs> uh sorry and then uh the next segment was they go they dig um oh yeah right but that's more loyal um i i think my whole thing with that is i'm really sad loyal gets stabbed i don't remember that from the book at all and it surprised the hell out of me and i can't imagine that loyal actually dies because you've seen that you've seen the teaser trailer we know he's back i don't remember these things i know Um, he's fine yeah oh look at that just it's okay. We're fine. Um, no problem with a no problem with a, a bad guy stabbing all the good guys kind of scene because that happens in lots of different things. That didn't that didn't bug me. I just found it inconsequential. I guess his interaction with the big P. I just found it like tried to fill in plot holes, but it really didn't add a lot to. Welcome to my thoughts on parent it, as a it, whole. It was filler. Inconsequential. You watch what you say about my husband. <laughs> Grendel, uh, my, I've told you my dad is reading the books right now. And without being too, without being spoilery at all, he's he's uh, he's read a swath of parent chapters recently. And he, I was talking to him. He said, I kind of love parent chapters because it's like, you've got this whole story that's going on. And then every now and again, we just sort of go over here. And here's Perrin, and and he doesn't really know what's going on either. <laughs> yeah. And then we come back to the story. My yeah. favorite thing about Perrin is is every day is Perrin's first day in the apocalypse. Like every day, he he just isn't really sure what's going on. Here. What you're telling me? He's he's there for the readers, the really slow ones who haven't been paying attention. What you're telling me? The yeah. blank and blank, and you're like, yeah, wait Perrin. a minute. We've known that for wait a four minute. books now. Are you telling me that violence can be used for good or evil? Yes, Perrin. Yes, Perrin. Yes. Oh, let me mull You're over telling, this. But he, like didn't, three he hasn't come to that now. conclusion yet in episode eight. That's a whole he just, other no, season. Because he just turned around and walked back with his, well, I guess I'm going to use take my him axe at least to five kill years. the bad guys. Yeah, it's still going to take him at least three seasons to go, wait a minute. You're telling me that Padden Fane is a bad guy? And then I was just yeah, happy Perrin. to see him. Because he's there for the readers who are particularly slow, <laughs> who need a reminder. That's parent. That's his job. Unrelated entirely. There are aspects of parent's personality that remind me of Gus, which is why I say, you watch what you say about my husband. Listen, That's not uh, the part of that. I'm not going to say that parent. parent is dissimilar to my partner. <laughs> There because are... I think that the character that you, the Emmons Fielder that you hate the most is the one you're the most yeah. like. That's my opinion. At the beginning, that's my opinion. Because Gus hates Perrin the most. Yes, Perrin. Oh my God. Gus is the most like Perrin. I hate Perrin. I hate Matt the most. <laughs> I am what happened. So, it's so bad. It's so bad. I hate it. I had to talk to my, I talked to my therapist for a long time about the Wheel of Time because of that. Like I talk, Ben now knows everything about the Wheel of Time. Has he read any of the books? Just as no, he watched the show no, to understand like, his no. clients. I was like, you have to understand that, like, I've discovered that I hate this character who is me, and we have to break this. Down. Let's get into it. Let's dig deep. And we have to talk about it. Um, <laughs> so now he knows like the basic plot points. But <laughs> so, so yeah, I think 
can I can I say something? Go, go, go. God, take it. Don't let me watch. talk more we're about parents. We're just here to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're really not here to provide very much. We're just having a great time. But um, so I think this like half of this was supposed to be Matt's stuff. I think most of this was supposed to be Bonnie. I do. I do. Because I think Pat and Fane has always been kind of like like Matt yeah, in this point. adversary yeah, was Barney's foil. Yeah. But then Barney left. And then Barney left. But we needed to have the dagger stuff. Or we needed to have the horn stuff. Yeah. And we couldn't just put loyal there. Yeah. Cause he's not a character. He's that just kind of there. We really have like grounded very much um, to care to carry a plot line by himself. Um, so I thought Perrin was initially supposed to go. Well, I we, we think we we have we have out? heard no. we have heard theories that Perrin <laughs> Perrin was supposed to go with Egwene and Nineveh and help like there was there should have been like a defensive ring around the channelers oh. and that he was supposed to kill Amalisa oh. before she could kill Nineveh. That is a theory that we have heard floated, which would be a really good bookend to his oh, inadvertent shit. killing of a good woman. Him yeah. being forced to do so and really struggling with that violence. First, and then Matt being feel and then Matt feeling useless in a battle and then finding a use for himself in a battle would also be a really, if you know anything about Matt's character, would have been a really good arc for him. And with Matt struggling with the darkness of the dagger. Yeah, and him being thinking, like, oh, it can takes I, one can second attack, for you to be can dark. I do this. Oh, well, look at you, sir. You've picked up a sword. And then Egwene healing Nine with herbs like she had to back home, like relying on the things that she learned in her youth to help her friend, um, that her friend who is in peril actually taught her. Like all of those are very full circle things that I think we got robbed of because of I had never heard that, that thing about Perrin. Yeah. I think it yeah. would have been you know? a much better... I can't say for, for sure whether that is what was planned, but uh, I've sense. heard theories to that effect, and I think it makes a lot more sense. Um, and it would have fixed a lot of, I think, the issues that people had with the show, with the episode. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I definitely could have watched Perrin walk down a few more hallways doing nothing and staring. I, frankly, I think that's my true favorite to the books. thing. <laughs> that's pretty true <laughs> you watch what you say about my husband but i like i'm a little always defensive of Perrin just because i'm like hey gentle giants can be great but yeah um but i uh yeah so so that's kind of what our where we've landed with those with that plot line is like it wasn't like your supposed plot to be better. there I like your Thank I you. like your story, the plot line better, and the fill in on you would what like to Matt hire me for the show. Doing. My manager's name is. <laughs> yes, I have. So we will link your story. agent in the notes. I'll reach out to Rafe and say, <laughs> "Hey, I watched you on Survivor." <laughs> link in bio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can Can I take thirty seconds to talk about the love love triangle? Because yes. I have a couple feelings about it. I I saw both your faces fall. I'm not going Honest to defend. To God. No, honest to God, if you like, I am, it's, it's it was that. absolutely necessary. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hottest take that has ever been took. Um, I'm just going to start calling you Peregrine, I guess, from now on. <laughs> Peregrine? Because you are tooking. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, Gus, talk talk about a love triangle because I I don't know how I can explain. I think why. the reason why it it wet farted away into nothing is because it never existed, and because the entire thing was constructed by Rand to make all his friends angry at him. Okay, because Rand Rand is the one who digs that hole and starts shoving his way into those into those boundaries, and he does it right before he sneaks off to go and die. Okay, because there's a scene in book. I'm not going to say this is a scene that I think they were referencing from book two, yeah. where Rand picks fights with everybody who is close to him to try to drive them away from him, and I think that he perceived a non-existent rift that he could he could mine between himself and Perrin and between Perrin and Egwene and between Egwene and himself and he said that'll work I'm gonna shove some dynamite in there is it real no I don't think there's no personally I don't think so to make a reference that Mm. you won't get but that (laughs) is not a spoiler but that's okay (laughs) he's dying by the die already okay yeah, okay. that that is my read on it because I also was like, well, where are they going with this? Well, the other thing is, is my thought process was there's a bunch of dumb kids, right? Like respect, all respect intended, but they're all dumb kids, right? Well, like how dumb were you at twenty? Because I was really stupid. I was really stupid, and we just listened to like the wind of intrusive thought, right? And the map. Oh yes. I love that. Thank you. I really love that you call Martin Sheen the wind of intrusive. (laughs) I mean, I think it fits. Thank you. That is an excellent nickname for that. Martin Sheen. Okay. So Martin Sheen is the wind of intrusive thought to me, like where like they go, oh, but what if you felt this way about your childhood friend? What if you like, what if you were like, a? what if you did murder your wife? Cause you loved your friend. Yeah. What if you did murder? What if that is true? Because I'm like, listen, in my darkest moments, like I have thought the weirdest stuff where if I hadn't been to therapy, like I would have been like, maybe I am a horrible, like murderous, terrible person. But because I've been to therapy, I was like, wait, this is just my brain overthinking everything. Classic Allie, just overthinking everything and deciding that like and grabbing on to random stimuli and deciding that that means anything which it doesn't but like when you're a dumb 20 year old you grab onto every thought you've ever had right and that to me that feels super realistic and if you're in the apocalypse the stakes couldn't be higher so to me i was also like well this is just kind of what happens when dumb 20 year olds are in the apocalypse they do dumb weird <laughs> awkward things <laughs> So, like, I'm not defending it because I, like, completely understand the criticisms of it. Yeah, but I'm like, too. I do get this is how I make it make doing, sense. like, weird, dumb, stupid bullshit as a 20-year-old oh, like, in the apocalypse. I think my my issue with it is more like, if you're going to commit to it, commit to it. And if yeah. you're going to, like, if you're going to sure. put yeah, it no, in there good. and, like, if you're going to jam it down my throat, if we're back to the green man analogy, <laughs> you're going to really jimmy and jam it down my throat for 30 seconds and then just like spend multiple minutes thereafter apologizing and like trying to take away the jam that was jam i don't why did you jam in the first place i I think what you're doing what you're circling around is what i always love to encourage people to do and go like how would you make it work for you like how how can we talk about and and that is completely (laughs) fair i my thing is i'm like My thing is, I'm always like, okay, if we're going to do this, then like, fine. But 
then the way that I would make it work for me is like, all right, so they're, we're going to just lean really hard into their bunch of dumbass 20 year olds in the apocalypse yeah. and like, and like, go theory, into actually. like, like intrusive it. thoughts or go really like what I'm hearing is if they are going to go there, go harder, go harder into these like potential theories and um, things that could come of it because um, yeah, again, don't dip like, your toe in the water and then apologize for splashing and then go, me. Ooh, like, I regret going well, that, there. Like, go that, there, that, or don't. That that yeah, that perception that it's really just in Rand's mind as I opposed like to in reality makes a lot more sense because if if it was real, they would have gone into it more. If it was just in his head and he hadn't seen them for a while together, um, then it could be excused that way. And uh, well, and deliberately trying to drive that wedge. Okay. Right. I'll um, it's, I will allow awkward, this. Right? <laughs> it's it's awkward if you're 20 and if you that was what they were doing say you two like you like her you like her you do you and, but if that was what they were doing they probably could have gone could have gone far made it more obvious yeah. they could have done a little bit more for like the show watcher to, I be like, Aaron this... to explain it so Tell i don't us. love I don't... <laughs> I don't know oh Aaron. oh Perrin. i get what okay. they were going for in assigning him so much of that plot it's it is square peg round hole. I would have liked to see what it would have been. Yes. If they hadn't had the hurdles they'd had. That's my thing right. always. Because yeah. I'm like, I, I I can't speak to uh, we can only speak to what was on screen, but I do think it is a tragedy that we never got to see what the actual intent behind this episode was. Yeah. So I think we can all agree. I would agree love that, to read um, it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. But I think we can all agree that uh Perrin sucks. And um, we can move forward with that uh, universal. That's exactly what we said. Song. It wasn't. That, that's a, that yeah. is what I said. That's Fuck what they Karen. said all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. He was good in other episodes. Oh, it was a bit right. stilted in this one. Yeah. I um. No, yeah, that's I, not I, fuck Perrin. Kill Perrin. Right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Mary Rand. Sorry. Mary Rand. We, fuck. We Matt. are yes. not. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the way. Uh. <laughs> So <laughs> let's move on from wait, Perrin. wait, 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 wait. If I'm Matt, you're Mary Matt. Anyway, moving on. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I I'm mean, Mary already, Matt. Can't recommend. You've already killed your husband, so it's yeah. fine. Oh, that's true. Isn't it? Take what you can get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a ghost wow. now. If you like, um. So from Perrin, we'll move forward because yeah. there's not a lot to say. And it's all about what could have, should have, would have been. Um, what we could have done, yes. And he had no real shining moments. And that's fine. Yeah, uh, he was there. He which existed. Is a good, that's Perrin. He You're there. telling me that there's a battle going on outside? <laughs> <laughs> I shall take one look and that look shall be after everyone is dead and nothing is going on. And nothing if has Perrin happened. Is nothing not I could have done to prevent it. to him every episode. It's not really Perrin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Egwene and Nynaeve. Um, Egwene and Nynaeve, there is the intersection. She's packing frantically at the beginning, like, oh, I got to go after Rand. Um, I love him, Perrin. So do I. Are we all right? We'll always be all right. And then hug um we talked about that scene we don't need to dwell on it anymore 
Definitely. I think we need to talk about it some more, actually. <laughs> Platonic cuddles, definitely no sexual tension. Then we get Egwene and Nynaeve on a balcony, and Nynaeve's like, super weird. Uh, so I haven't actually been able to listen to the wind since that one time I like channeled and, you know, healed everyone. Uh, very fun moment for me, but sad for my um, wind whistling skills. Uh, so Egwene... <laughs> Even though she is channeled, she can still listen to the wind. That's interesting and uh, weird. Show watcher, we may come back to that. Mm. Um, mm. And Egwene says, uh, I heard the same thing as Beltine, but instead of a whisper, this time it's screaming. It's super bad. It's oh so bad. And it's coming. Um, not not good things are happening here. Uh, they go to see men. You fancy a drink, yada, yada. The visions Ooh. all come true. Mm. One more thing about the men scene. Yeah. Um. So they had two, two deaths. Two, like they showed Nynaeve and Egwene having a problem, right? And mm-hmm. then they showed yep. the soldiers. And that's true. Yeah. They showed so, Nynaeve especially with like the the, the face and the burning collapsing to the ground. Yeah. So this is even more why I think that something had to have happened with either Matt or Perrin because um, usually in screenwriting, there's this thing about like the rule of threes where like, it's just a nice number to end on. Like you just, you usually don't end on a two. It's just the, the three helps everything. I, it's just when there's a two, you notice, and it really bugged me. I was like, Oh, horrible. Why is there two, like a two, two thing. It's not enough visions. There needs to be one more vision. And so I think there was a missing vision there. And you think that was a matte vision? Or a matter parent. Because I could see like a parent covered in blood. vision. He, He had blood running down his mouth. Oh, well, there had needed to be a third in the... There was a blood running down his mouth. Aaron had golden eyes and blood in his face, right? In uh, in episode seven. Oh, yeah, there wasn't shit. in this episode. Okay, yeah, no, this is why I'm saying there needed to be a third... A third vision there. Yeah, it's just from like a like a structural perspective, it bugged the hell out of me, and I and I I have to think that there was a third, and they there was something they just like didn't include. Yeah, Yeah, that that would make sense. Either it was Perrin like covered in blood or whatever it was, but it had to have something to do with what the previous plot line was that they couldn't keep anymore. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Structural perspective, I was like, they're not sloppy like this. (laughs) Just they are. I will agree with that. I think that's. Probably one of the things that disappointed me about the episode is that it's not a sloppy written. They do so many subtle things and so many lay-ins and they tell so much with one word or just a visual. And it just yeah. seemed to be missing a lot of it this time. Or yeah. it was two things that I have no idea about that are far down the road. And maybe, like you said, a rewatch after I've well, seen season three or something. Well, even from a structural perspective like we as humans because we all consume stories and like we've been telling stories the same way since aristotle right and he released his poetics and we've been telling stories the same way since then we're not breaking the wheel right we we don't need to reinvent a wheel that's already a perfect wheel um and so you as consumers of stories always are inherently ingrained to like recognize when stories are like it's it's like music right it's like writing music and you're you recognize what discordant music is even when 
you don't, even if you have no musical training, because you've heard enough music in your life. So like, if there is something even like minutely structural like that, like we as humans recognize patterns. So like, if there's a third thing missing, it bothers us, even though we don't know why, right? right? So these little things that are really inherent in storytelling can be very bothersome, even if you're not sure why. Um, so like even little things like that can be like, I don't know why, but I didn't enjoy that scene. <laughs> and like, you start to kind of like think to yourself, okay, structurally, why does that bother me? But, um, then you can just put more words to it, but like, yeah, I mean, I, there was definitely a rushed quality to some of this. And I think, you know, it's not anybody's fault necessarily, but like, it was little things like that where I was like, Ooh, I can tell stuff had to get moved and cut just from like those little those That's so moments. interesting. Yeah. Cause I hadn't even thought about like that third vision and why that scene felt. Cause I like, I love showmen, um, at least what we've gotten from her in, in the two episodes that we briefly saw her. And I really felt like there could have been more to her mm-hmm. in episode eight. And yeah, it would have been interesting to unpack that, but get a little like one because like I think one and I felt that way too and I was like one more vision she was missing one more and then I would have felt like we had enough of her yeah and it's because we're right we are in two like trained to recognize patterns of three it's like a weird brain thing it's like the same thing in comedy it's the same thing in a lot of different like same thing in technical sales presentations because that was my career and we always (laughs) had to use the lessons of three and repeat it three times and then yeah Yeah, well absolutely yep if you want someone to notice something in a in a story you say it three times in three different ways so that people like you're like oh the rabbit is green the green rabbit did this the um the rabbit, which was green, by the way, you know, and then you're like, oh, so something's got to be up with this green rabbit. <laughs> you know, um, but otherwise you're not going to remember it if you say it once. Yeah, no, that's OK. So we are missing a vision from men, but they go they, they go there. We see Nynaeve getting burned up in that vision collapsing. Um, then we get, a you know, a moment where everyone's packing up, they're fleeing the city. We all got to go. It's very bad things that are happening. And Loyal is like, oh, by the way, they've put out a call and anyone who can channel it needs to join Amalisa. So we had like some fun, stilted exposition. Yes. Um, and... A little bit of a standoff, but not really, because we already had that in episode seven between Egwene and Nynaeve about, like, what would you do to save the world? We're already doing it. Uh, This time it's not Moraine. So, like, obviously the call is there. What are we going to do? We both know how to channel. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they... they, (laughs) Ish. We have the power. They're good vassals, though. We got power. Um... (laughs) And so they walk up and Amelisa is like, ah, Moraine's too. And in classic naive fashion, she says, we are no ones but our own. Like, okay, That's girl, pump the brake. You're like at Tarwin's Gate. Like, <laughs> We're dealing with a lot right now. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> Thank you Don't so not. much. You don't need to. It doesn't matter who. We really need to deal in semantics. Cool. Okay. You're your own person. The answer is yes, of course. (laughs) Always. Having just read a particular scene, which I will not say what it is, but there's a scene where it's 
five chapters of women bickering over bullshit before they do something massive to save the world. On brand. On brand. (laughs) (laughs) This checks out. uh, It is canon. Um, So we had initially heard from Amelisa and Agamar while, uh, you know, Amelisa was putting Agamar in uh, his uh, armor. And she's like, I do love that scene. It's really lovely. But she's like, there's there's like 5,000 of them. And then we hear from Nynaeve. She's like, what the fuck? There might be 10 to 20,000 of them. Also, first question, Nynaeve, your wisdom, who taught you to count? Because there is a vast difference between 10,000 and 20,000. Some might say 20,000 is twice as much as (laughs) 10,000. Can you narrow the number a little? I trust the egg boy. Egglemar. <laughs> Eggman. Breakfast King. <laughs> Lord Algorithm, if you will. Um, so Nanny's like what Amazon I... resorts to. Yeah. <laughs> there must Sorry, be 10 to 20,000 of them, and no one ever says anything to correct these numbers. So we're dealing somewhere in the realm of 5,000 to 20,000, one Merdral. You do the math. Um then we get a five-pointed star of all of them linking. They're all funneling into Amelisa. She pulls a Britney Spears and she demands more. So like, give me, give me more. Um, I can't let go. Uh, she takes what she wants as the Trollocs come. Uh, she again makes it very clear to the audience, light protect Faldara, the city that has never fallen. She channels and an army of Five to twenty thousand Trollocs are destroyed. We think five to twenty <laughs> popped like a balloon. Uh, we don't see their we don't see their dead bodies. We just see lightning and flickers in the in the sky. There's lumps. There's lumps on the ground. <laughs> well, pew pewed. Um, There's one we thing we love: it's chunks and lumps. <laughs> on this podcast, being renamed. Chunks this podcast is brought to you chunks by Chunks and Lumps. lumps. Chunks and Lumps. Delicious. What about a trollop? We have Chunks and Lumps of Trollop. Too. <laughs> uh, Chunk and Trollop soup. Am I right? Oh, delicious. Who needs wontons when you've got Chunks and Lumps chunks. by chunks. Campbell's? Um, this is why we're not sponsored. We, we're we shocked we are. Like, <laughs> I truly don't think Truly, that, we think it shouldn't be allowed. I, I don't think the people who are hosting us have listened to any of our shit. Oh, they definitely have. Because if they had, they wouldn't want We asked, we were like, are you sure? <laughs> do you know what we do? You really, really know. Do you know? I mean, you're we well done. Are you sure? Do you we want your happily, brands associated? We will happily know? sell your red rod. Do you know what PPP stands for on our podcast? <laughs> it's not point to point protocol. I'll tell you that. Much. I'll tell you that much. Holy technical nerd reference, Batman! That was uh, hey. having a PPP for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just laughing because you said P a bunch. Hey, so keep going. Everyone loves a good P. So we see the Malkiary woman burn up. Off she goes. We see the other. The rando that was there, she burns to a crisp. We see a Gwaine start to burn. We get a little nervous. 
we get a moment where Nynaeve crawls over to her and somehow she takes the power from Nynaeve and she's like, don't worry, boo, I got you. I'm also just going to scream the braid speech at you again really quick um, because that is going to be my dying words, I guess. Uh, to be a woman is to be always alone and never alone. Feel your braid and know we all stood before you. We all stand with you. Now, I guess I'm going to burn. Um, I'm going to say on brand because Naive's all about that braid. Very, very much about She's the braid. very about it. No ponytail. Uh, Melissa, we watch her burn to a crisp. Um, Egwene holds Nynaeve, who looks super dead. Uh, but she then- does. The power of tears prevails, so Egwene cries. God bless. And channels very a bit. Disney it's princess. like Fox. No, very Fox from Harry Potter, the crying oh. tears of the phoenix. Mm-hmm. The no. So Egwene is the phoenix. Obviously, yes. he was just. That's why she's called Egwene. <laughs> Obviously, she's part bird. Jordan knew all about it. Day one, he was like, "Yes, yeah, this is exactly what I would have written." It's all there in the notes. So if I can cry on her and shit, this makes perfect sense. Yeah, she cries and channels. Nynaeve is healed. Huzzah! We hug, but like very specifically through COVID protocols, and we will never show their faces together, and we will splice and dice away from that. Um, and uh, don't worry, we'll touch on we'll touch on the Lan and Nynaeve speech when we get our little segment of Lan. Mm. But right. um, that that's 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 what the the women did was they saved the world and we saw well they saved the gap none of it they saved mm. the gap women are all about saving that gap I know I set you up but they saved the gap of tar alone so it wouldn't Tarwin's gap Tarwin's gap whatever it's a different uh, tar a lot of tars different tar tars, yeah, lots Tarwin's of tars. gap Tar Valen there's a lot Tarwin if you prefer so many to the, gaps. They t- prevented uh, that place from falling. Yeah. Uh, and that it was very important. Yeah. So the tar something. Oh, no. Don't be sorry. I recognize myself in you. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was getting confused by the names for sure. Um, so they prevented. So that was big. It was a big deal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nynaeve. I'm just trying to think. Like, Nynaeve actually had some really good moments in this episode overall. I think one was obviously the conversation with Lan. Um, but, uh, uh, drawing the power was interesting to me, obviously that, and if uh, the one thing I noticed is when they were doing it and I'm sorry, Annalise, is that Amalisa. Amalisa, who enough. doesn't have a rock, but she has a ring, uh, frame. No, you are not going to be an Isidon. Uh, when she was drawing the power <laughs> from everybody, the brighter lights came from Egwene and Nynaeve, where the other yes. two were dimmer streams. So I, I did pick that up. I did not. So I, she was getting yes. way more power from Nynaeve and Egwene. Actually, more from a more from Nynaeve than Egwene, but a lot from Egwene. And that, you know, she was obviously addicted to the power. So I thought that part was very good. And I I, I did feel a lot of drama going through doing all that stuff. Uh, they kind of left the dudes fighting at the wall. They, yeah, Eggmar just got like speared and it was CGI trollic. I didn't want to talk about it because it makes me sad. It was it's, that reminded me of the, of the night watcher. Right? Yeah. It's the best they could do. It's the best you know they what? could do. They didn't the have scene, any budget for that. The scene of um, I think it was like seven people riding forward with like an army behind them, but like the seven of them are so far yes. ahead of like and not even in formation themselves. They were all out of formation running. Going when I saw that, I was like, I know you tried. 
I hear I hear you. Um, I am just gonna whoop like that effort. from my memory and just pretend it wasn't part of the episode at all. Didn't happen. You know, you know, um in golf, uh <laughs> there was a period of time where uh, they didn't want you reaching your hand into the hole. Like you could still play golf because it was outside and distant during COVID during COVID, which is why I started to play golf. Cause I never <laughs> thought this would be a part of my personality, but it was a way to take like a long walk in a nice place, you know? So uh, I started to play golf and they had this thing that was great for me as a beginner where uh, you, they didn't want you to reach your hand in the hole because of contact. So and they, they didn't had... know it was not really a contact spread. Yes. Illness. Yes. Early we didn't on. know that so they then, had like... or we didn't admit yeah. it then. That was... Exactly. Yeah. So they had little bumpers in the hole. Pool so noodles. So pool noodles. They so filled they... the holes with pool noodles. Yeah. And so the cup would just kind of sit on top, but it was difficult because as you're golfing, like, right. Sometimes it would like kind of bounce off the pool noodle and out yeah. of the cup. The ball would roll over the hole, but you know that if the noodle were not there, it would have gone in. So we would call it a COVID cup. And you it just go like, close <laughs> enough. I'm going to pick that up. COVID cup. So I'm going to say that this whole episode and like several parts of this uh, whole thing were COVID cups. This was a COVID cup. We're just going to go COVID cup <laughs> and keep going. <laughs> that does make a lot of sense to me, actually. Yeah. Yes. You know what? I, I think that's a really good analogy. <laughs> And, and I think, uh, yeah, as a regular watcher, I certainly wasn't in in touch with the nerd force at large. Who you guys were listening to what was coming, and I didn't know that Barney Harris wasn't coming back until after we watched episode eight. That's when Grendel mm. told me that um, that uh, they had to replace Barney, and she was really struck down because she thought he was the perfect uh, Matt Cawthon kind of character. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know that stuff till after I watched the first time. I knew a lot of it, but even you guys have brought more of the um, the COVID conundrum into uh, the conversation. And it, and it is fascinating. I don't care as a watcher, to be honest. I don't care. It, I, really? I just watch what I watch. Fair. And I just want to get the story laid out. But uh, yeah, I, 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 under, I appreciate it. I feel really sorry for them. But it doesn't yeah. recover. Enough I think for me. that's I'm our but our our goal is largely to not like necessarily make you feel sorry, for them, but to appreciate that like the challenges. They yeah, they're yeah. they're to, to the humanity behind it. I think I mean, bring the, the humanity yes. behind it. Of I mean, like, yeah, it wasn't. It probably yeah. They, they probably would save themselves. This was I not am, the episode. I am they never wanted. going to say that the Battle of Tarwin's Gap was good. It wasn't. It was it was the best they could have done. Yes, I was and, expecting Helm's Deep, and it became a very right. shallow. And it couldn't be that, right? Yeah, yes. and it couldn't be that. I, and I, so, I'm not going to pretend that it w- was better than it was. It was the best they could have done. It was all the greatest fight I've ever seen on screen, and I will die on the hill. <laughs> but let's I will quote. say, let's talk you about... know what? It, it probably actually more than we got in the book, and that was True. a chance. It is, it is way more than we got in the so, book. That is actually true. Pretty so like, elaborated. Well, and that's just like, honestly, when people, like the book cloaks especially, are like, I just want like a word-for-word adaptation. I'm like, what do you think any other actor would do in the first book? <laughs> like really this, right. like Tarwin's Gap, how would that play out? Like, well, how would Yosha that look? would have teleported into the sky, Obviously. looked for a second, made an earthquake happen, teleported into a different part of the sky, screamed, it ends now, and then a voice would have come down and said, it is not here. Then he would have teleported to a different part of the sky, and there would have been a rope. 
I, you know, I had a very similar high reaction. When you, when you said the <laughs> voice, all I could think of, and I don't know if this crosses the border or not, but we have a company up here called Green Giant. And during the 70s and 80s, there was the a cartoon Green Giant, and all he would do was, ho, 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 Green Giant. <laughs> yes. So when you said the voice would come, it would, ho, ho, ho. ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Yes, that's what, that's what I envision. Let's yes. let's talk more about the the gun nut who had never fired a Derringer, who had only fired a little Derringer pistol, who was suddenly handed two nuclear bombs. Yeah. Amalisa. Oh boy. Yeah, that was another a big controversy too. Scene. Yeah. But the, right. on my first watch, I had a hard time with that because I thought, eh, how could that happen? Okay. But then on the on the other watch, it was all right. Like here she was trying to protect her her home and all that stuff. So she really dug deep and did that. But you knew as soon as she started that she was gonna die. Well, for sure. But then also, also like the way I think what it really came across to me in the rewatch is just how intoxicating that much of the power is. That part was good. We see that with Rand when he has the Sangreal later on. Um, We see him channeling, you know, the strength of a hundred men who have, who have poured that much into like the little fat man statue that Maureen gives him in the blight. Um, he latches on to that when he starts channeling uh, against his fight with the Dark One. And you can see the crazed look in his eyes a little bit. And that is when the taint starts to flow through and like when he really surrenders. And I think, I don't know if this is what they were going for in the show is because I, I think it could have been conveyed better. Um, but you see Amalisa intoxicated with the power yes. of four other women. No, I saw that for sure. To her. And I can't let four, go. That's four women. And Rand was channeling the strength of a hundred men in the little. I know we haven't talked about the dragons thing. I actually didn't pick that up. Now, granted, I've only been able to rewatch this episode once and I was kind of dozing off through parts of it, but not because it wasn't gripping. Actually, I, I did find the movement of this episode pretty good. I, I, like it, it, it moved forward and things were happening a lot, but I don't remember his craze uh going through it's i remember the quick. the weave of the dark yeah. and the white and they could have they could have done it better it's like a one second where you see him holding it and it was maureen's exposition as they're walking through that speaks about how it was i, I got i remember her expectation and i was waiting to see him leverage yeah. it but i didn't pick up on him leveraging yeah so i think i don't know if that's what they were going for um in the episode i will say amelisa um I love like she also really engaged with fans on Twitter. She really loved her role as Amelisa, same as the actor who played Egomar. I love the two of them so much. Their fan engagement was really, really wonderful. I know they loved their roles. Um, I don't think it was their fault that we didn't get a f- more fulsome story about Egomar and Amelisa, and that we kind of felt a little bit. Is Egomar gone? Is he done? Well, I mean, he got speared, but yeah, we didn't have to knock him. Mm. He we got didn't speared see a about body. This, this far. Yes, yeah. I don't think he's, he's dead. He got. I mean, he got I, speared less than Loyal got stabbed. Yeah, he got. He got about a quarter inch of. If you look, the spear goes through his armor, which is probably here. And the spearhead looks like it's got about two inches of spearhead past the armor. So he's probably got a nice little pinning wound, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm not ruling anything out. With the amount of fake out deaths in the books, I'm not ruling anything out. That's true. That's true. I do feel like the people who are like, too many fake out deaths. I'm like, have you read this? We didn't talk about... (laughs) Nynaeve also has a fake out death in the eye of the world. 
She does. Like she gets tossed. Yeah. We'll just say that word. She gets tossed by um, one of the uh, forsaken crypt keeper, Balthamel. He tosses Nynaeve aside and she is still and like non-responsive. No one knows whether or not she's alive as we leave the eye. So like to have Nynaeve, you know, burnt through crisp. Is she living? Is she dead? Not that different from the end of Eye of the World, I guess. Could they it have made thing. it more clear that she was alive? Yeah, like yeah. maybe it was a little chilly that night and we saw a breath. A breath. I'm having a hard time thinking of a character who hasn't had a fake out death. <laughs> I think to, to to the point of Nynaeve, that's the thing where even the makeup department was like, yo, no, yeah, we could have been more clear there. Yeah. Sorry. This is my thing. This is my thing. Okay. I I was actually surprised by the reaction because in my head, it was so unlikely that Nynaeve would die that I was like, she's not dead. Like I looked at the yeah. eyes and I was like, She's still got eyeballs. Like, and the other, the other three don't. Those were burnt. Like, oh. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, she's still got eyelids. Therefore, it's just, she just looks a little crispy. And in my head, and then we immediately watched <laughs> the like post episode like thing. And they were talking about the makeup and they were like, oh yeah, we're not making her as crispy as the others. And I was like, oh, okay. So obviously they're like was, a 10 dead. They're like, she's a, like 10, a seven. She's dead. like a seven. But I think maybe she she's like, like a marshmallow a that's been like lit on fire, but burnt out in time to still Leave make a healthy s'more. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I think what happens is sometimes, and this is why you always want to have somebody like in charge, right? Um, I think that the makeup didn't translate as well with the lighting. The lighting made it look much darker than I think it did under the lights of like the makeup chair. Okay. Right. So the the contrast looked much, much like if you looked at, if you watched the like post episode, like behind the scenes, it looks much more different under the makeup lights than it does in the actual episode. She looks like she's struggling, but yeah. not dead. Yeah. We also didn't watch it like on our computer. We watched it on a, like a decent size TV and we were like this close to it. So like we were really paying attention. <laughs> but, like, Which is not to say you should have to do that, no. by the way. Like they could have made it more clear. No, no, no. I, I'm saying I think this was a like an interdepartmental bad in that like they didn't really like connect on like oh, we're trying this in this department. Oh, well, that's not going to work with our lighting. I think the communication broke down and no one went, she looks a lot deader in this light. And so there were a couple people that probably should have made that call that didn't. But I I, I think, so I think it was just a communication fail. So we've we go got- back and talk- Yeah, do you want to talk about Loyal? No, please go. I was just going to say, we've got a COVID consultant. Do we need a corpse consultant? It was just a one-off. You know. We do. Uh, a con- we, there's usually someone continuity. on set uh, watching for continuity stuff. There's a, a continuity person. So literally, like, like one time my job on set was partially con- was sweat continuity. Mm-hmm. So I had to make sure the actors looked as sweaty as they did in the shop. Before. I was the actor. She kept. So I just got to bottle. blast him in the face of the spray bottle every time he looked a little too dry, which was a great thing for our marriage. Honestly, yeah, ten out of ten. Day, yeah. You know what? Was he a, still, was he still proposed. Yeah, we were already we were married. Already married. She so, locked it down. Oh, was it, it, down oh, it was post. And this was like in the past year. This was yes. uh, last December. We have a little short that came out um, that's in a couple festivals right now. Uh, but that I wrote and then he starred in. And then my job on set while everything was going on, because being a writer on set is very boring. 
unless something goes very, very wrong. Like it's a very boring experience. Like it's fun because you get to see your words come to life, but that's like very sweaty for me. Um, so she made me sweaty so instead. instead yeah. So I so channeled all the, of that energy. You became, instead of like, the sweaty, you became the sweater. Quite consistently I get very, like, sweaty. It's, it's boring. And like, because it's boring, because all you're there for is to like, make sure that nothing goes horribly wrong with your script. Um, and like, tell people to cut things if it's not working. Um, and rewrite if you need to. Like, so that's a very sweaty experience because you're either bored and sweaty or or stressed and sweaty. So instead, yes, I I they were like, we need someone to do sweat continuity. And I was like, I will do it. I will it sweat so it up. Oh but yeah, God, so usually they're also the people that are there to make sure that like, you know, there's no Starbucks cups in the background of the shot that like actors have left there. They'll, or like that the hair that was in one place before is not like behind the ear in the next shot. Like all of that really matters because if you cut away and then cut back and the hair is different, that looks funny. Uh, <laughs> Do we want to talk about your theory about how Loyal is not dead? Oh, Loyal's not, not dead. No, he can't be dead. dead. He can't be dead. Here's why I think he's not dead. Yeah. Smash the dagger, Can how much can I say? Um, we can say the dagger be daggering because Shadar Logoth. Okay, so the dagger's daggering because of Shadar Logoth, but we've never we and we've seen the dagger dagger against a human, right? Theori- theoretically. Can we speak uh, broadly? Can we speak broadly? In yeah, terms of, of course. Oh, yeah. That, like yeah, we yeah. know what the dagger daggers against a human form, right? Theoretically. But we've yeah. never seen the dagger dagger in Ogier. And like what we could kill an, a mouse might not kill an elephant. Right. The show says the show spends about nine hours going, oh, look, this is loyal. He's not a human, not a human, He's not being. human. He's different. You know, like he's different. We, look at him. He's so different. Yeah. Look at his ears. They're very different ears. Look at that crazy. Wow. Ear. Yeah. That's not human. Right. Ear. Guy. Because it's a different species. We species be species in daggers might not dagger against a different species. We don't know. So that's my theory. I think there's definitely something to that theory. Um, I, I, I'm happy that Rafe very much clarified in the comments was like, no, like Loyal's not dead. Like, yeah, no, like, come on. Thank you, Rafe, for spelling it out. We knew, um, like, but it is still interesting. Like even this past week, just on some of like our pals, YouTube channels, people will persist in the comments and be like, they killed Loyal at the end of season one. Like they did no, all these they things. Didn't. Um, and I was like, well, I mean, did they know? Like, how much have you been paying attention? And uh, waffle, my friend. But also I can I can see how you think that, especially because we didn't get a shot of Perrin rushing to Loyal's side. Right. And being like, Are you okay, my dear friend? Instead, he was like, I'm going to stare at I'm going to tell you this right now. Beginning of next episode, parents going to turn to Loyal and go, you're telling me you got stabbed? <laughs> 14 times. Season 2, oh episode 1. By a, by a dagger Are from Shadar Logoth. Shadar Logoth. Yeah, Shadar. Parents going to go, that was Padden Fane. <laughs> <laughs> I could have he sworn the I horn saw out from under Fane. the chair. I think that was the knife that Matt Wait. had. Is that the horn that they've talked about before? <laughs> huh. It's for loyal. He's there. He's he's iced tea in Law and Order. This is his whole purpose. This is his whole purpose. He's got to explain to the layman what's happening. I love Perrin. I don't, oh but I gosh. love Perrin. You love Perrin. We all love Perrin. No, we we all have that friend. No, he's a little slow on the uptake. 
baby girl, <laughs> baby girl, you're on, you're on book eight. <laughs> I'll see you. Talk to me in a couple of years. <sighs> are, are you telling me we're getting a divorce? <laughs> oh, it gets so much worse, Sally. Oh no. You don't even know yet. <laughs> oh, there. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see where I'm at. I, I go through these peaks and valleys with these characters. I'm telling you this right now. Like, I, I hate it's them a and journey. I love them. Get but when anyone else talks smack about them, I'm like, they're my children. Don't you dare. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, 90 Dwayne's great. Big, big fan. Yeah, you watch big what you're saying. Things happened. Um, let's Wish briefly talk about... Real battle. Wish you could have a real battle. Not their fault. Uh, let's briefly talk about Lan. Um, we first, uh, after Maureen is gone, Nynaeve comes to see him on the balcony. She checks in. She wants to know how he's doing. Um, Nynaeve advises that she tracked Maureen after the two rivers, um, because Maureen has a tell that Lan, who has been traveling and bonded to Maureen for 20 years, doesn't know about. <laughs> yeah, I had a hard time with that. Um, all, right. <laughs> uh, I, all I will say about that is that in terms of, I did I did a panel uh, at WatCon for five minutes that you would add to, um, in my case, it was episode seven and eight. Uh, and so my thing for episode eight was just explain what that tell was. Uh, give me 30 seconds, just 30 seconds to explain the tell. And how did, and also explain the tell, but how did Lan, who is a tracker and warder, uh, not know what it was? And not know how to cover it. Um, so many things uh, that I had questions about, but uh, give me 30 seconds more in the episode just to explain what that tell was, uh, because of course they never do. Um, so we did kindly fill in the gaps. Uh, the answer is asparagus pea. If you were wondering, Moraine has a passion for asparagus. She is also one of the few percenters um, that does, uh, her pea does smell of asparagus, and that is um, the tracking that uh, Nynaeve used. And um, Lan is dealing with long COVID, so he can't smell yeah, it. He can't, he can't smell it. Please be sensitive to <laughs> that. <laughs> These are the restrictions. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she apparently has a tell, and then Lan says to Nynaeve, kind of shocked, like, um she's like you need to go after her and he's like you would let me go without you okay like Nynaeve did not order a stage five clinger thank you so much for volunteering <laughs> for um but like also obviously and uh all she says is you need to bring Rand back which I thought was very true to Nynaeve like that was real that's my boy. You need to bring him back. You need to make sure that he doesn't die there. And that is your job. And that's what I'm tasking you with. And then we get the the blight speech um, from Lan. I will hate the man you choose because he is not me and love him. If he makes you smile, you are as beautiful as the sunrise. You are as fierce as a warrior. You are a lioness wisdom. Now, how do I find Moraine? Uh, after that uh, beautiful epic poetry speech uh and then we don't really see him for a little bit so he delivers this uh gorgeous monologue and then um we see him hacking his way through the blight we see him look at Malkir and be like oh my gosh i know you uh and then we see him come upon maureen at the end 
And uh, he says to her, unmask the bond, let me in. Maureen says, I can't, the dark one, he, I can't touch the source. And Leanne's like, ooh, oh my gosh, girl, hugs. Um, and then we get some strange uh, exposition about Quendiar and Maureen's like, look at this rock that I have in my hand. Isn't this a great rock? And Ra- Land's like, what is that rock? And she's like, this is Quendiar. It can't be broken. And Land's like, but it is broken. And she goes, neat, right? Um, so you'll learn more about this in nine books. Yeah, just keep waiting. Um, and what does it mean? This wasn't that this wasn't the last battle. I fear it was the first setting up for what is to come. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's Land's role in episode eight. Uh, very small. Um, not too much to comment on, I think. Uh, I, did, I did like his exchange with Nynaeve. I mean, it was nice. It felt, and it was like, like they both played it well. It was very heartfelt and it was beautiful. And they were committing to each Yeah, well, and they were committing to each other and all that sort of stuff. And she seemed to understand his uh, bonding to a degree. And then he responded to her comments on that saying, We said, choose someone else, baby boo, because it ain't me. Can't be. And I will hate the person you choose, but I will love them because they'll make you smile. And I thought that, that, that exchange was actually pretty good. I, I you know, it was uh, it because was nice. It's word for word from the book. Um, nice going, Robert. They just copy pasted that. Yeah, that right is a, that, book. that is a control V situation, which I love. Do I think it was appropriate to put in that scene? Long pause. No, I have my I have my solution. I'm 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 glad. I have my I have my solution because I do think it was a little sudden, just because she was kind of like, well, we could kind of maybe be together, and he was like, I'm gonna break up with. Here's you. the line, and in the books, in the books, she proposes to him, and that's why he breaks up with her. And I, oh, he's he was like, breaking up I with can't. her. I can't oh, yeah. be with you. I hate. I will hate the man you choose. But he, I just took that as meaning he couldn't be her warder. It doesn't mean he couldn't be with her. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no, I, I, that totally... didn't. I know. Well, but sorry, saying... to me that. That didn't that didn't come across as somebody who doesn't know the lore. To me, it was sure, just sure. like I, I feel bad because you're gonna have another person like me, like my relationship door, unless you go, unless you go red. <laughs> Maybe you should go red, red, right? That's interesting. Um, that makes sense. I can yeah. see how you get there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I didn't the, I didn't see it as a breakup. Totally. Yeah, he, in the books, she proposes to him and he says that speech, which is way more coded as a breakup. Um, and then I won't say what happens after that, but so, um, but uh, I, I think, I think what could have been a solution because for some reason I got it in my head that once you braid your hair in the two rivers, like only your husband sees your hair unbraided, you know, it's like a thing that's, that was my like thought. for some reason I got this into my head and I talked about this during a live stream with some, but it would Brian with no Brian Jenny. Yes. Um, where I was like, I I think what could have happened is she's like braiding her hair during that scene at the very beginning. I think she could have easily just been like, you know, women in my town don't unbraid their hair unless you're their husband, you know, kind of like that. This is a big deal. And then that can prompt him to give her that speech. And then it's more clearly coded as a breakup. Yeah, I, I for me. And this is a flaming hot weird take that almost everybody disagrees with. There are two things in season one that Rafe out and out said, I put this in for the fans. It's that and the Manetherin speech. 
I have come to appreciate the Manetheran speech more after watching it a few times. I love the speech. What? The song and the speech. I love them both. Yeah. This particular monologue here felt very much like, all right, everyone, hang on. We have to do the thing. See, but I I don't want them to cut it. I I don't want them to cut it. I want them to put it in episode seven after they've hooked up when they're both talking about how, hey, you know... I can't really be with you. And yeah, well, I can't really be with you either. Yeah. And what are we going to do about that? And then he says, well, I will hate the man you choose because he is not me. And I will love him if he makes you smile. I agree. After the hey stay, Uh, I think that this could have been um, because I I loved I love that. I love when he was like, hey, stay. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this speech would have done well before saying, hey, stay. Like if you put this like when Nynaeve is getting dressed after like a okay. tryst, um, you know, there and there, they're talking about things like wisdoms never marry. I'm going to the tower. I'm going to be an Aes Sedai. Maybe things are different. You have this whole thing. And then he's like, girl, I don't got That's you. Not- but like, hey, stay. So I read into that that, yeah, they couldn't be a couple per se, but they'd still have liaisons. That's when they left that scene. Uh, I thought that they'd still be lingering together uh, when well, the opportunity you, arose. You can't just get over feels. Well, well, I think, I mean, I think Nike Moraine agrees with you. Is, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that, so that's why I didn't see it. Like, yeah. Moraine's yes. going to feel all of that, though. That's I'm going to be awkward. bonding with you through those experiences again, let me tell you. Hey, Jesus hey. Christ. Like, I think I'll say to give Five minutes or less on the tell, which is clunky and a writer trick. And I'm not going to say it's not uh, in the book. The way that she tracks them is canonically impossible after the first book. Yeah. So I think the reason they were just like, fuck it, fuck it. I don't fucking fuck is because they literally had nothing to go off of. They had literally nothing. But then I was like, but why? Well, like, I'm not defending could, it. It's clunky. No, I know. It, it, it like, couldn't Leanne have been like, I've been with her for 20 years. I don't need Nynaeve to tell me how to track her. Like, yeah. I know how to track Moraine. That would have been together for 20 years. Like, why does... Yes. And like, oh, so many questions. Um, it is one of the one of the standout moments to me from the entire season that still doesn't make sense, that I don't think will ever make sense. And it's fine because we will COVID cup this. We're COVID cupping. COVID cup. I'm glad um, I want COVID cup to be a, a, a phrase it's, <laughs> that we use it's, in the walk. It will be for us going forward. Yeah. So oh, episode COVID seven cup. and eight, COVID cup. Um, COVID but cup. let's get let's get to the meat of the platter. We've dabbled yeah. in the grapes, we've nibbled on the cheese, but now we arrive at the ham, Rand and Moraine. Um, I don't know what your platters look like for Christmas. Uh, sounds good. That sounds great. A little I'll bit be there. Room for two more. <laughs> I I will. Well, this airs after Christmas. I was there. At, mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Rand and Moraine. Um, I will say for all of the conversations that we've had about every other plot line, um, this one really, really knocked it home for me. I loved Yosha. I loved Rosamund Pike. I thought they both sold what they were given. Um, I enjoyed their interactions. I enjoyed the one-offs. I'm going to get into what they do, and then we can kind of break it down. But I do just want to preface it with that, because I feel like most of what I've said is, hate that, hate this, 
ooh, didn't like that. But Random Moraine really loved. I liked it. Um, I liked it until he disappeared at the end. Yeah. Uh, but they little little ditty about Random Moraine. Um, they open the episode. They're hacking their way through the blight. I will not make comments. Um, they come across a dead Borderlander boy. And Moraine says, don't touch him. As if Rand's first instinct would be to touch a well, this, decaying corpse. This is after an Aes Sedai who has seen more death and stuff than probably anybody else that starts doing the whoo, dry heaves when she walks by the decaying body. So I thought that was actually kind of yeah. funny. He's, <laughs> got to smell pretty bad. He probably it's smells really bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Not I think great. even if you've been around a dead body a thousand times, that smell is still like, oh. But then I think but, they rest like five feet after. Like a little bit further. Yeah. But also like, Maureen, did you really have, like, like is, that, is that the sad way we're going to say to like, don't touch anything? Like, hey, by the way, Rand, I know you're a dumbass. Please don't touch the gross dead the parents body. parents not there. <laughs> All right. Be Listen. Matt, Matt just took the Matt dagger just took from the Shadow. fucking dagger. <laughs> So to be fair to her, there's like, precedent here. These kids are not and might be like, maybe he's got like a cool coin. Yeah. The survival <laughs> instinct of these boys is poor. So, <laughs> so she's this on high alert. Neat. So, you know, <laughs> as a former teacher, uh, have you ever seen the stand? They're going to go poke a dead body. Like, you know, you, boys poke dead bodies. It's our favorite. Oh, stand by there's me. one thing I know from a Stephen King novel. They boys were poking bodies left, right, and center. The entire premise of Stand By Me. We want That's to go. That's what I meant. Stand body. by me. I get those two yeah. so confused because they all have stand in it. But stand by me. They're just going to go poke a dead body. I heard there's a body. Do you want to poke it? Hell yeah. Do you want Let's to poke do a, a body? <laughs> if there's one thing children love, it's bodies. <laughs> dead bodies in particular. So Moraine just dead reminds body. him gently, don't touch the body. Also, by the way, don't touch anything. This place is super fucking shitty and you could die. So fun. Um, we get a couple like little glimpses of them as they're hacking their way. We're getting closer as you see the seven towers of Malkir. And Rand's like, what's that? And she's like, Malkir. And he said, isn't that where land's from? Isn't land from Malkir? And she's like, yeah, but it's like, it's not doing so well. And he's like, looks like it's been gone a thousand years. And she goes, try 40, you fuck. And then, um, Zlan looked that old. It drops some exposition on your ass. Right? <laughs> Boom. Uh, and then since, you know what, since we're by the towers, it's time for a nap. Because who doesn't love napping when there's danger? I love a good danger nap. And so they they curl up. They do a little snooze cruise. 30 minutes is what she said, by the way. Yeah. We'll do this for 30 minutes. Deep sleep goes around. Yeah. Uh, and then Rand He's always gets, been a good sleeper. Yeah. He, you know what? He's a power napper. He could run an ultra marathon and do a snooze cruise for a minute and be like ready to go. Ready to All go he again. needs is a little box to lie in and he's good to go. He is good to go. Um, so on Rand's snooze cruise, he has just a little bit of a horrifying dream. Old Ember Eye shows up. He's dressed in garb. So he's got like the... He's got the old flary face, but then is wearing like the garb from 3,000 years ago. So he looks he's a like a dapper motherfucker. He looks like reverse Zoom, 
where like instead of having like business on top, aka his face and like party on the bottom, he like didn't get the memo. So now his face is like, ooh, forgot to do my foundation. Uh, and his whole attire is like dressed for his own wedding. Um, <laughs> but he like he quickly changes that. And so he just he's like, oh, my gosh, how he- heavens like just going to zap my face and make it like a titch better, more presentable. Like push an arrow into my eye. Yeah. Just back. <laughs> Back that shit up. So sorry. Um, hey, yeah. by the way, my eyes are actually not embers. Um, my name just is the guy. My name is the dark one. I look great. Next question. Um, you know, makes fun of Rand a little bit, like looks at Moraine who's sleeping, and he's like, huh, the last time you came, you came with 99 companions who were a lot stronger than this, this little waif. You got with you, uh, and you still failed. So, bro, why are you only coming at me with one weak-ass Aes Sedai? Um, Rand pulls a sword, and he's like, this is a sword from my daddy. And uh, the Dark One is like, nah, he's been dead a hot minute. Your your dad is super dead. Um, (laughs) And then Rand stabs himself to wake up as one does big gamble there that was a huge gamble would not a pinch would have been my first instinct the dark one is just like my guy i am trying (laughs) to have a conversation with you okay fine we're gonna move on from there we're gonna go and show you your love yeah yeah if the pinch didn't work a wee slicey on the palm just to see how that no you know what there would have been a lot of steps before i went full stab me in the stomach nope this is the one. This is where and this I'm is going. why Moraine was like, "Don't poke the body." You know what I mean? Like he just does shit. <laughs> and there he goes. Um, so he wakes up. They continue on their journey, and Moraine was like, "What did you dream about?" And he was like, "Hey, um, you're pretty secretive." And she was like, "What did you dream about?" And he was like, "Still not gonna tell you." Dark one's a bad guy. Don't worry, I didn't listen to him. Um, and then she's like, I trust you. Here is a sangreal. Let me explain to you what a sangreal is. I'm going to do some hardcore exposition. This has the power of a hundred men who can channel. Um, I got it. Not going to tell you where, um, but I have it and it's yours now. And you're going to need to use this eventually, AKA in about 10 to 15. Um, Four scenes from now. And he's like, can yeah. you teach me how? And she's like, negative. Yeah. Can you teach me how to channel? Uh, no, I cannot. Thank you so much for no, asking. That is not you my just job stabbed description. Yourself in a, you just stabbed yourself in a dream. So you don't seem opposed to trying Hail Mary. <laughs> like, you've got this. Um, you know, like, Rand also kept, throws out a casual, you thought it would be a Gwaine, didn't you? Like, you taught her to touch the source. You brought her to meet the Amberlin seat. I was trash at your feet. I was the toilet paper that you walked out of the bathroom with. And you thought Egwene was the shit that you had dumped. Like, that is, that's what we're working with here. And she doesn't say anything. She just looks at him like, she would have done a fucking better job than you. Yes, we all Uh, know this. Okay, let's be real. Let's be real for her for a second. Like, he has been giving her shit since day one. Like, if I, I've, I've been a teacher before. 
there's always one where you're just like, you're a journey. We're going to go on a journey this year. (laughs) I mean, and would I rather take with me on this quest teacher's pet or journey kid? Teacher's pet all day. Teacher's Teacher's pet pet every day. You wouldn't even have to tell teacher's pet. You wouldn't even have to tell teacher's pet not to touch a dead body. Yeah. Because she would be hanging on to your coattails. You know who she wouldn't have had to say that to? Fucking Egwene. (laughs) Egwene would never needed that instruction. Egwene, no question, would not have touched that body. But this is Journey Kid. This is Kid we always put in the quiet corner, right? We always have to have a discussion after class. And, like, (laughs) she's got to now have him save the world. I once made these puppets, these elaborate puppets for a show, right? These shadow puppets. And I didn't know that it was necessary to tell this kid not to yeet them across the room, but apparently it was. So you got to tell these kids not to touch. (laughs) Can you teach me the channel? Boy, I'm trying to teach you how to literally walk through vines. No, I cannot teach you how to channel. And then Maureen just decides to share a story with him. She was like, once upon a time when I was a wee lass in the tower, I had a channeling. I had a channeling block. I couldn't channel. Um, So it was really fun for me because this other Aes Sedai who I looked up to and respected, she came to my room every night and beat my ass. And not in a fun way, but like in a bad way. Not in a fun way. And then one time I just stopped her. So I just channeled because my life was in danger and I stopped her from hurting me. And so you too will know when to channel if your ass is getting beat. Trust your (laughs) instincts. That is the life advice from Maureen. And it serves, you know what? And and it works out. Surprisingly. It works out. Um, I would just say like, perhaps Maureen should not be a motivational speaker. Um, or a teacher. Let's 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 all fondly recall the moment in the books where she she turns to them about a week into the journey and goes, Hold up, everyone. If I think you might be bad guys, I will fucking stab you in your sleep. Good talk. Okay. Love you though. You know what? The moral of the the story though, the moral of the story was not was not actually you will find it in you to channel. It's some other bee tried to beat my ass too, constantly, journey child, and I beat her ass back. <laughs> so maybe do what I fucking tell you. <laughs> so yeah. um the lesson Rylan, here is everybody beats ass. Yeah. Rylan, can I see you for a second? <laughs> <laughs> see, I used to be a teacher. Watch me. There it is. Play it again. Uh, so after Moraine has a great uh, discussion about beating asses, they go to another place that Rand knows. And he looks and he's like, oh, hey, I also know this place. Just like that one time I recognized a mountain. Um, <laughs> and it, he's like, are we here? Did we do it? And Moraine's like, yeah, we're we're at the eye of the world. Y- you did it. And then he finally clues in to the fact that Moraine is also risking her life to be there. And he's like, this is Rand's parent moment. And he's like, are you mm. telling me that if you, you go me. down there with me, you're, you're, you're going to die. die? <laughs> and more is that like, when you said everyone, did you mean everyone? 
And Moraine just looks at him and she gives him like a little winky wink and walks down the stairs in front of him. And Rand's like, oh, shit, this is the this is the end of the world. I get it. I see the stakes because Moraine is willing to risk it all. And off they trot down to the eye. And again, Rand is there and he's like, I've been here before. I've seen this scene. And then we get a flickering of well, that's where the crew was. Yeah. We get a, we but get you know why she's willing to risk her life? Because as a former teacher, you end up trauma bonding with the journey kid. <laughs> that's true. There's a part of you that has a soft spot for them because you're just like, you're a challenge. <laughs> it's, I will win. <laughs> oh, I will win. And you I know this win. is competitive, Maureen. You will um, love me by the end. <laughs> anyway. So they're in they're in trauma pit. And Rand is like, I've been here before. I feel like I've been like, I don't know, angry at someone or feuding with someone before. And then we get a flickering of Luz Theron. We get a flickering of the dark one that we've just met, played by Fares Fares. And Rand, he's like, there was this symbol that is very clear. There was this symbol yeah. <laughs> that I feel like it was right here and then he touches it and suddenly he's back in Emmons Field, baby. He's up in the mountains. Two rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh sorry, two rivers. There is no Emmons Field. It's all the same. Um and we go to the little paradise hut with Joya and Egwene. Um, we get some great moments with Moraine trying to wake Rand. Uh but you know, Rand's there and he's like, I have a baby. Um, and Egwene's like, We have a baby. Um, everything I've ever wanted. Everything. This is it. And I've Moraine's- wanted Egwene barefoot and pregnant from the beginning. This is the dream. Bizarre. Also, it's been a year from the eye, and she looks amazing. We have a child who's uh 15 months old. I love it. Um, somehow we made that shit work. You know what? Uh time is a wheel. Time yep. is a wheel. Okay, <laughs> so Rand's like, you're telling me it takes nine months to make a baby? I thought you just wished hard. I thought you Not just in wished this universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're telling me the stork doesn't come? Mm-hmm, not going to make that joke. <laughs> I know exactly what it was. Yep. <laughs> At least something uh, does. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Took a minute. Yeah, I, it was for me to pick up. That was for me. <laughs> uh, Moraine's trying to wake Rand as he's piecing all of this together. Uh, the dark one appears and he says, well, what did you think would happen? And Moraine channels and that's promptly uh, halted. And then a very clear shield settles over her, similar yes. to what we saw in episode four. And then we see power flow back into her and we see the dark one close his hand as if he is closing off a knot. Some, yes. Tying yeah. off a knot to something. Um shield settle, power back in. We've seen Logain severed. We know what that looks like. That did not happen here. Twas a shielding. She hates that we're taking a really strong stance on this. Oh my I'm, god! I'm happy about that. I because just, it was clear. Like I didn't think it needed to be spelled nuts. out, but people still have questions and like just watch yeah. the fucking episode again. Like it could not have been more clear. He does this, this is not an I need death situation. This was like yeah, very that I will clear. grant you was a little unclear. I will grant that one. 
Um, and then he then says to her, it must be an awful feeling to know the one power is there just at the end of your fingertips, but you can't quite touch it. And we've gone through the thing with like Tom in episode three, talking about what it feels like to lose the source. It's not just there at the end of your fingertips. It's just like fucking gone. You want to kill yourself. This is different. This is a shielding. Season two, we await you. Um, so anyway, then we go back to a quick little moment between Egwene and Rand to verify that the love is real. This is my person. This is who you are. They like carved stuff into a tree. And also as someone who's carved words into trees, this felt um, a little bit long to be tree carving with. So I don't know what knife they used. Um, maybe it was forged by Master Luhan. But into a tree, they carved our place for this life and the next forever. Instead of just like R plus E equals L. Forever. Or like a heart with R plus E. Like that seems a lot simpler. Like, happy damn, face. did they whittle yeah. that tree? What is they, going on? Like they really, really whittled into like. Someone has never carved a tree before. This was and a it's- full <laughs> totem pole. Like, anyway, they spent the night in the waterwood. And they spend about 12 hours carving this inscription into yeah. the key. Into like, the tree. You know why they spent the night there? Because they had to carve that whole last <laughs> message into that tree. <laughs> they couldn't go home until the message was done. Um, <laughs> Egwene was like, Rand, forget it. And he was like, no, I'm finishing it. Because you just this know. This is my he- mission. <laughs> I've run and out then- of bark. <laughs> We're going to come back next year. It's going to be taller. I know that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a freeze frame. And we get the dark one coming in, being like, I can show you the world by the way, make it whatever um, you've ever wanted. women. (laughs) That's the dream. Um, And then a little slice to Moraine. We both know you can't escape this place without his help. And if he doesn't choose the light, I'll choose for him. Knife to the throat. Knife, knife, knife to the throat. Um, then also yeah. Egwene's neck is cut in the exact same place that Moraine is holding the neck to Rand's throat. That's interesting and weird. Didn't oh, see yeah, that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And huh. it happens with like a little gold bracelet that he he like knifer, a knife, knife, a knife. And then um her throat is cut, uncut. And then we get uh, a quick shot of Moraine getting knifier with the knife to Rand's throat. Uh, then we get some Ariana Grande thrown in where uh, the dark one is like, you want it? You got it. And Rand's like, I want it. I got it. And um, just empty yourself of emotion. Put all of your feelings into what you want, like manifest what you want. And it'll just happen for you because that's white male cishet privilege. And <laughs> Sail upward. My favorite thing and- about it. My favorite thing about it is they're all frozen, right? And this is my favorite thing also about Hocus Pocus in the very beginning is that you can clearly see that little baby's arm waving around in the background. Try to hold the baby still. Just get a dummy next time. And I'm time. like, you, you try it. Yeah. <laughs> Won't be me. You're like, it's not a very professional baby, if I'm this being is, honest. This isn't, this is a terrible baby. COVID baby. Put that baby. COVID, COVID baby. Cup. 
COVID cut baby. COVID, COVID cut, cut baby. baby. <laughs> um, Rand starts channeling. There's no taint when he first, there's sorry, there's no corruption when he first starts channeling. It's all pure and white and happy because the dark one is like, just, you know, empty yourself. Um, and then he's like, stop resisting. Don't fight it. And then as soon as Rand stops fighting it is when the corruption comes then we see rand grasp the sangreal um then we see rand grasp the sangreal and uh this is after the make her yours she already was she already is and then rand has his speech what about what she wants and as much as i love her and as much as i want this i know she doesn't that woman who doesn't care about being a wisdom doesn't care about being an eye said I, that's not the woman I love. That's not my boo. Uh, and then we're back in the eye of the world. There's a channel explosion. The dark one vanishes. Moraine says, what happened? And Rand triumphantly screams, I did it. Yes. <laughs> Sweet angel. I and him and grinning all the, the world. world. Him next season. You're telling me. You're telling me. I didn't save the world. They projected seven more seasons of this shit. <laughs> what? You're telling me. What do we do now? There are 15 books to the series. Jesus. Like, I did it. Uh, and then he says, I have a favor because apparently you still owe me one. Um, Tell them I died. Tell them I didn't make it back. Figure it out, baby boo. Like, I'm down. And then he walks away and he goes, goodbye, Maureen, as he leaves. And we see him climbing through the blight, looking at stuff. And he sees a mountain range. A mountain there range. There it is. And Holy fellowship of the ring ending, Batman. Sure I just didn't have West. any idea what he was doing. Gosh, there. where Gosh. is that mountain range? And then, um, yeah, and then mm. we'll, we'll do a quick thing on the cold close after this. But Moraine, Rand, I mean, I've kind of summed it up. I was very happy, but... Graham, your thoughts, Maureen and Rand. I like, I mean, I like the uh, the whole exchange. I, I like the buildup. I thought it was really good. You know, you, you could follow along all of the the tensions and as Rand grew and understand he had responsibility through all this and that he was learning how it's to battle. Yeah. Learning how he was learning how to battle the dark one and all that sort of stuff. I mean, like it was all good. I, I really enjoyed that segment as well. I thought there was I mean, I know you picked out some holes in it, but for the most part, I thought it was well done. It was it was direct. Uh, they broke it up in the you know interspersed other scenes in there. The freeze frame thing, the the guy playing with the mind—that's pretty traditional fantasy type stuff where the bad guy can do that to you. So it was all good. I, I there was I had no knocks on it until Rand left. The the Rand leaving at the end was like. Uh, it didn't give you Frodo vibes as he looked out. No, because Frodo like, did it out of heroism and to protect his fellow people. You had no fucking clue why Rand left. I'm going. Oh, oh, that's why you don't like it. Interesting. Frodo left because he didn't want to bring the danger to his fellow people. And if, if if it was just him going, he could try to do it on his own. It would be a little undercover and do all that stuff. I got no fucking clue why Rand left. I'm can just going to go. Yeah. What happens to men who can channel? They go crazy. 
Yeah, and then what? They die? I don't know. They kill everyone around them. Yeah, but he... he, Yeah, but... Okay, I'm a slow watcher. He didn't... Like it, I don't. It, I wouldn't. It, no, I don't. No, it, it wasn't obvious to me that sure. that's why he left. It, like it was like, gotta go. And that's and why course, Karen at the beginning of next season will go. You're telling me that <laughs> you can channel go insane and blow up. <laughs> don't worry, they'll tell you. I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice I because because I I I I asked you one question. It wasn't even a leading question. I asked you a question about what happens to Mendicant Channel and you put the pieces together. It, I, I don't think, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought- You're no that, parent. That's my, that's my thorn of the episode. I know. Right there. Mm. It's like, because, okay, here's here, my whole, my whole anger with episode eight is every time I watch a fantasy movie or a science fiction movie, even the empire strikes back. There was a glimmer of hope and goodness at the end. Other than Egwene healing Nynaeve, there was no glimmer of hope or opportunity or salvation at the end. You've got Moraine okay. without power. You've got Rand running away. Uh, we don't see Matt except for the brooding uh, parent <laughs> stupid. And, um, and, and uh, there's a bunch of trollic lumps around and a bunch of burnt women other than Nynaeve. And it's like, the fuck? Wait. Give me, give me something. Give me something hey, that was a good. Child also dies from a big wave. Maybe that's pretty hopeful. She got blasted. What? We'll get there. Well, let me, let me, let me ask you Mary, this. Uh, it's not hopeful. It's very sad. Anyway, so, so that, that that's the one thing I, find I remember hopeful. when we were doing it at the very end. And I just turned to Aaron and said, "Where's the hope? Where's where's the joy? Where's the thing that there's a salvation the thing?" And it's well, not that it has to be the on end the boats. of it. Will be great. Maybe the people. Oh yeah, the, the whole boat thing nice. at the end. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll get there. What the fuck is that? Let, let, let me ask you a question. Why do they what? have metal in their mouths? Are, what did? Oh, what so did you we, hate ball gags? <laughs> Can I ask you another question? Yes. What did we? What did we prevent this episode? What did we achieve? Because we're we're looking at what we've lost. But what did we achieve? Well, but they didn't celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like, we, yeah, okay, so the dark the, ones, the dark ones, gone. But you don't know, you don't know that he's obliterated. You just know that sure. he's gone from the eye at that particular time because that's happened before, I think. But he fought his way back, and I know Sauron made a couple of appearances after being obliterated and other stuff. So bad guys, it takes a lot to kill them. Like there was no yeah. crumbling building or stuff like that. So anyway, you, you knew that it at least Rand. The way I took it is that Rand won his first battle with the Dark One. Mm-hmm. Yes, they also said that a lot. Did, then he sulked off. Yeah, he had to go. Well, to 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 go back to your reference point that I th- you brought up a few times is fellowship. Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, to to look, and my reference point is the film. I've read the book, but it's been a hot minute. Uh, end of Fellowship. Spoilers for the end of the Fellowship of the Ring. Anybody who's listening. It was released it. in 2001. Yeah. You have been warned. Well, the Eye of the World well, came out in 1989. <laughs> you have uh, been warned. Boromir's dead. The Fellowship is broken. Gandalf's dead. Mary no, and Gandalf's, no, Gandalf's missing. I actually, I never yes. thought Gandalf. No, even when I read the in, in the books, but even in the books, it's the same thing. He falls down in the chasm, but I never thought he was dead. Yeah, a wizard, that's your that's your pers- that's your interpretation. You could you could have easily said Gandalf died. 
the let's guide is gone. Let's say hunt, this, the guide is gone. Let's go hunt some orc. As long as I have a breath in me, I will chase after Marion Pippin because they're important to me. So off he goes with Gimli and Legolas, and they're going to so rescue the, their the guys. So there was hope, and Aragorn starts to step up. This so, wasn't the end. This is the beginning. It was the first. There are more. We yeah, have to regroup. It, it, what well, th- it, what, let, let's, if we're being realistic about it, what are three people going to do against a troop of orcs? Realistically, it's it's a fool's hope, as Gandalf says. It's all a fool's hope. This is a fool's hope too, to me. Yeah, I don't know. I just found it. Com- I just. You missed Vico Mortensen. No, I just, I just, it just didn't tie together think, with hope I just for think me. If we're doing, if we're doing a um, a notes to Rafe. <laughs> next season just uh, one thread just one thread next, next with season upbeat. samwise gamgee's got to come in and give a beautiful uh, there's a monologue i watch every time i'm going through anything a beautiful monologue about why we tell stories and then we'll all feel like yeah we had our moment we had our time i feel no i'm with you i i i i hear where you're coming from and i i think I think it's interesting because I feel like there's been this trend recently of of fantasy getting darker and darker. And sometimes I, when I see this stuff, I'm always, often kind of like, you know, media is a reflection of society. Society is a reflection of media, right? Like we we project each other a lot. Um, and so I do wonder, I think, you know, like Game of Thrones has made the conversation surrounding fantasy very interesting because like, it's a very dark show. There's no hope in that show, right? All of your hopes are dashed always constantly. Um, and it's like a glutton for punishment show. And then there's Lord of the Rings with beautiful Samwise Gamgee monologues about why we tell stories and hope. And I felt like the wheel of time was kind of trying to like bridge the gap between the two and try and find a place in the middle of those two things. And I thought, um, and I think it's an interesting thing to kind of be like, I expect in fantasy for there to be hope because I I was kind of like, oh, this feels a lot more hopeful than than Game of Thrones to me. But I, I feel like the reference that I'm coming to it with as a fantasy person is like, in more recent years has been like more ga- Game of Thrones, less Lord of the Rings. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of an interesting thing of like why is some why are some um genres getting darker um because right now it feels like there's a very um interesting demand for like either light 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 like ted lasso-y type shows or like ted lasso oh well you are a man who loves hope (laughs) as we're learning today and that is a very helpful show um uh, or like super dark squid game like it feels like there's a lot See, that, i didn't like squid games that, and like there we go like and and so i think it's interesting it's kind of like you know it's interesting to watch what's happening to to entertainment in response to like everything that everyone's been going yeah. through over the past few years i feel I like it yeah is, it is darker than it could be that's certainly true i i, I just for me it gives me a well we won the battle but did we and we're down, but we're not out. Yeah. But we are down, but we're not out. It gave me like Aaron Burr vibes from Hamilton. Like, wait for it. Yeah. Just like <laughs> it's it's coming. There's more. There's, more, there's more. Like this, this was very much to me watching episode eight. And I wonder if it would have been different if they hadn't already been greenlit for season two. But, and if that we had this be, conversation actually after we watched it. And I get it. Like to me, it was more of a setup for. Boy, look at all this stuff that we have trailers for in season two that you're behind all these different yeah, storylines no, right. and stuff. Um, I, I 
I, I guess my criticism would be, I think they did too much of the lingering trail lines for season two and not enough wrap up for at least one or two of those storylines in season one. Yeah, yeah and I think fair. I think because by the time they rewrote episode eight yeah. repeatedly, yeah, yeah. Uh, season two had but been fully fair, written. You know, I mean, and um, I yeah. think perhaps when they were writing this, they didn't stop to think for like just a quick second, like because they never had to. What if there wasn't a second season? What can we leave this on to give some hope for the viewers? Yeah. Um, just like a little little bumper. But in this case, it's all just about like wait for the next season because it's it's coming and it's going to be great. And here is all of the setup that you need to know. Or as Rafe said in his interview with Dragon Mount, the balls are in the air. They are. It's a juggling act. The balls Go are right. in the air. And season two is about making sure that they all land in the right place. And that's so that by the time we to. hit, you know, book eight, that we're all aligned with the way. Like literally, because obviously, like when you've got a there. 15 book uh, thing, Jordan figured a lot of stuff out as he wrote, right? Like he probably oh, yes. had a, oh, yeah. he probably had a map that was doing it. He was doing this little homage to Lord of the Rings. He did all that stuff. His notes are insane. They're like, but long. by they the time, by ridiculous. the time he got to book five ish or book six, and I'm sorry, I, have, I don't know. Them, no, no, you're he, good. He changed his, he changed. Oh my God, we can go way deeper in this shit. And then he, uh-huh. then he dove in. Oh, yeah. and, there were a lot of changes that were made after book six um, that many people are still, uh-huh. and a lot of it was addressed in origins that we kind of knew before but yeah like he was con- yeah he, was, he, he kept on yeah he kept on evolving his world right which is cool which i i actually mm-hmm. uh big fan of but um uh anyway so that, playground that's it i i i will just sum up on the season i love the season i just mm-hmm. didn't like the cliffhangers all the cliffhangers that's fair they're not even i just didn't like the like- way it could have been just a little boat, just one little tiny boat. Yeah. But now we I know I have hugs. to go to therapy. I have to go to therapy to understand why I like Ted Lasso and I don't like Squid Games. Why <laughs> I don't, I, I you know why I think that's his beautiful things about you. I think that's his beautiful. I think it's completely fair. That you I think, think it's that's it, it was a dark ending. It's I mean the the book the book ends. On a hopeful you know, note, a with Moraine twirling her key Sierra and yeah, being like the dragon has been replaced. She's uh, like, I, we did it, but did we? But yeah, like it's fine. It, the book, it could be done here. <laughs> um, maybe yeah. we did kill Satan just now. Who can say? Who's to say? Curtain. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that uh, the cold close, the cold yes, close the, for the season. The boat people. We have uh, yeah, no we, have, we have a child um, playing in the sand, also unsupervised um, by the ocean with the sand. <laughs> what can go the tag? As we episode six, I have no concept of child's ages, children's ages. Um, Twenty-five, put, six. I put this child at about fifteen. Um, Five or six. <laughs> Forty-five. She's just a bit bigger than Jackson. Okay. My, my grandson from another a offspring. Bit bigger than bit bigger than my nephew. Uh let's say she's seven and call it a day. Um, where are her parents? And why like she's on this massive beach alone, digging a hole alone, unsupervised. And then it's the eighties. By a beach, <laughs> like by the ocean, the one of the deadliest places. Like one of the deadliest places, just like Tralala. I guess. I'm gonna... Did they not watch Jurassic Park? Oh my god! Yeah. 
And oh then my God. she's like, the she's, just, that happen. she's just digging away. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, I hear dramatic music. I guess I'll turn. And then she sees these red sails that could have been spotted from like very far away. And she spots them. And then we go to the. You know, Perry could have seen them. How did you see them? I'm feeling, Grandel, I'm feeling like you're victim blaming, right? Grandel, now. have you ever been digging a really great hole in the sea yes. before? <laughs> Haven't you ever loved a hole? <laughs> have you ever been looking for a seashell before? Have you ever found I don't a sand by dollar the before? Beach Friends, I'm landlocked. You live in Canada. Who are we talking? And also, who are you talking to? I've never found I live in California. You hate the beach. Yes, I do. You hate the it's be- the worst place. Things some- like this happen. Very it was a metaphor. It was a metaphor. I so she loved a hole. Anyway, you and me go fishing in the dark, and she's like completely oblivious. The red sails appear, and then we get closer to the red sails. And again, this is why I love my subtitles. On the subtitles, it says, speaking foreign language in unison. (laughs) Whenever anything's in unison, also a bad sign. Um, What else need be said? (laughs) But with this little girl, you know how... uh, there used to be those commercials that were like, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? It's for those kind for of parents. parents. <laughs> Have you ever been a peasant? They're just trying to gut a fish and she's out there looking for mud to put into the she's fish. She's out there hunting a hope and a dream. He was expecting the yeah. way to come up and touch her like in Moana. Yeah. 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 This is like yeah. this is this is alternative Moana, basically. Oh, is like gone another way. neglectful parent. Why was the child that young by the ocean? Literally um, one year discussed. old. Like literally yeah. an infant child. Nearly uh, drowned. Se- season three of this her. podcast will be about Moana. It will be about neglectful parents in, li- in film. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Walt Disney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disney will be an entire season. Oh, Bambi's mom. Controversial. Definitely. Stay tuned. Oh, Snow White. (laughs) What were these people doing? Yes. (laughs) Uh, But the women, like they they do their foreign language. They all speak in unison. Other women channel into the ocean. We know that because we see it. Big ass wave comes and tiny little seashell girl is like, well. This doesn't look good. Oh, fuck. Damn. Now I'm fine. Now I'm white hooped. In fairness, I don't think she's the target. I think the entire coast is the target. No, no, they're just going for the one girl. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, okay, that was. But the, I've seen people make that, that was argument. The angriest before. I've ever been in my you life. Have not. People were like, yes, I have I... seen so many people on Twitter go, "Why would they make a big wave just to kill this one girl? What's she gonna do?" And I'm like, so I feel the need to explicitly say they're not just... trying to kill the small child. They didn't even see the fucking child. Gus, the child was a threat <laughs> that needed to be expunged. They envied mm. her whole. <laughs> no one has ever said that in the history of time. Are you serious? Yes, they are. Oh my God. So many people on Twitter were talking about how like it's ridiculous that they would make a tidal wave to kill one small child. Dozens. And I was like, they're trying to mask their approach. Or trying to kill the city. What one of those things is possible? One but of the things. It, what is not the what is not possible or probable is that they're trying to kill this just one child. <laughs> they were like, our sand castle's too good. We must destroy it. I am jelly as fuck. <laughs> I could never dig a moat 
nearly as deep or as parallel. This child is against ball gags. She must be eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> there are three turrets. Three turrets in her castle. Be gone. Be gone. It's too many. Enter. So this is what's happening on the far western shore, which, as we which saw, again, and, and you and you reminded me of that from episode six. six the, when Megan's the gay, like, the gay episode. when Megan's like, "Hey, there's something happening on the western shore. I think I should proudly go to the western shore. Are ships disappearing on the western shore? Thank you so much for having time with me in your bathhouse. I think I might go to the western shore." But they don't say, say it's the western shore. The west. <laughs> it could be the eastern shore. I didn't know what shore it was. Anyway, so well, they alluded to it. Could they be didn't... the southern shore, for all we know. There's could be many shores. We've could never be seen a shore. We don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> don't. So that, that tickled my funny bone. That was excellent. <laughs> I will say this is one of the times because I uh, we talked about the one month later. <laughs> um, oh, the Chiron. Ah, yes. The Chiron. Chiron. We talked about that and how I much we loathed it. I will say, Far Western Shore, you want to identify where we're at in episode eight? I approve. Thank you so much for saying that this is the Far Western Shore. Did they say it? They do. Oh, okay. They say Far Western Shore in a Chiron on the screen. And I'm like, Is, is that the same person that then went to Rings of Power and put Mordor over the no, that was a, no, that was the same person who said one month later. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. They'll tell you it was the Western Shore at the beginning of next season because Parallel. Well, you're will. telling me that he's a tidal <laughs> wave on the Western Shore. <laughs> it's this Baron's whole a, purpose. This is what Baron is for. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> I love him. He's, you're telling me answer. that that was the first battle, not the last. <laughs> Hold on, run it back. You're Let's telling recap. me that there is more to come. Are you are you telling me that wasn't the dark one? Mm -hmm. But the, the, it dark, the dark there's two. a dark eight? The darkest. The darkest one. There's darker. You uh, are <laughs> <noir> one. <laughs> oh, parent. Oh, parent, you gorgeous uh, idiot. Pinot Noir, you're a star. Uh, yes, uh, you stay tuned for season two with um, villain Pinot Noir. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful. Um, so did guy. we change your mind? Are you happy -er with episode eight? Or I, are I you just appreciate like, the insights and the explanations that you guys have provided. I really do. But I'm I just I don't make excuses for people that have to work around issues. I just yeah. don't think that there was some tidying up that needed to be done. Totally. No, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just gonna, I think that's so, a good I'm just gonna... plot. I think it's good space to land. It's like my, my thing only ever is like, let's also recognize that there are human beings who yeah. tried really hard. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our goal in our podcast is not to say you can't not like it. It's to go, okay, here, here's, here's why. Mm -hmm. That's all we're going for. Here's why. You feel however you want. Yeah, feel how you want. Indeed. But here's what they're trying to do. Yes. You know. Well, I'm. I that all being said, I really am looking forward to season two because I, on the rewatch, it was great. What I'd forgotten about the book and coming back again was like I, I don't care if it follows the book. I just want to watch the series as a series and just see where it goes because as I understand, it's got a little bit of the prequel. It's got a little bit of uh, the Great Hunt. It's probably even got a little. 
snip it to a couple other books, which I'm not allowed to mm-hmm. read. Snippy snappies. So I'm I'm excited for it to be cool. I want it to be cool. If Blood Snow's any indication, they can make things very cool. Loved loved that cold open. Really did. Yes. That's one yeah. stuff. And, and by the way, I also agree with you that my number two was White Cloaks. And uh, yes. So White this would be my least favorite episode, which I think the I think the reason why it's my least favorite is because I expected the most from it. And mm. I really wanted to have that chocolate cake, and I think I got a tart. Sure. Whereas uh, you expected the least. But you know what? I, see, I expected flavor. dirt. I don't like same category that much. You were your look. Your they in look the dessert very similar. Yeah, you're no, at least sampling think, from the same plate, and that is a win. And I think if you go in expecting dirt, and you get chocolate, <laughs> and you're like, oh. Maybe it was the higher, you know, like you're like, oh, it was chocolate cake all along. Like, I feel pretty good about it. So I think it it is definitely a matter of perspective for sure. I yeah. think I went in with, I think the reason the why I was like, this might be my favorite episode is because my expectations yeah. were, I was just very worried for them. Yeah. They Grendel, were very low. Grendel, I think you'll appreciate the only time I've ever really gotten vehement in my arguments about the show is when I was talking to a friend who insisted that Perrin in the books was a flawless paragon of humanity. Who the show, said that? A friend at a wedding that I abandoned you at to argue with. Oh, that's right. Way. I lost my husband for the entire evening. She spent the entire wedding telling me how it wasn't your Perrin wedding, was, was it? No, just, no, just asking no. for a friend. No, it was some Perrin random the wedding. Books, flawless, and... beautiful, incredible man in the show made him a horrible, mindless killer. And that's that's the only time I've really lost my cool about the show. So I go looking for him. To have been I'm... a fly on that wall. Oh, you would have had a great time. I, uh, th- it, it got so heated that I was like, honestly, kiss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like They were so, like, so animated. And I was just like... I've never been this passionate about anything in my life. <laughs> Truly. Oh, no. That, that would have, like, trigger warning. Oh, wait. That would have done it for me. You, you're not a big fan of Perrin, book Perrin? The screams I have scrumped about <laughs> how much of a misogynist that Perrin actually is and how he is the shittiest of shit from the two rivers. I can't no, like not true. no, it's but there's true. like read between the lines and like characteristics versus like what he does on screen. Like be clear with me, no book spoilers. Has Gus ever picked a no. random woman Never. up by using his hands to uh, grasp their hips, pick them up and move them out of place instead of using words? No, not even during this argument. <laughs> Where Gus was the most angry. I and demonstrated animated. it I with see. her permission. It's... I demonstrated. I said, "Okay, can I, can I, can I touch you for a second? She said, "Yeah, of course." I said, "He did this, thump, thump, thump." When you demonstrated on me, you didn't I did. demonstrate on her. Yeah. You were like, you came and found me, and were like, "I need to demonstrate something on you." And I was like, "Be more specific." <laughs> honey i love you but i was like what do you need i need more yes. setup. i was like yeah. i'm asking questions yes. um and then he's like i need to show cassie what perrin did and i was like okay and not with the so, axe oh right that's what not in the book, and then so. i was like and then i will separate myself from this argument and go dance with my friends again um <laughs> because we're again at a wedding and you're fighting at a wedding 
<laughs> As you we do. carried that fight to the after party. It was. It became legendary. It was completely honestly. unnecessary. It was no, it, it I feels apologize very... to the bride and groom the next day. Everything was very was necessary. I'm Good. very yeah. pleased with all of this. Um, one thing we do on our podcast is we talk about the rose and thorn of yes. the episode. So your mm. best and your worst. Um, uh, Allie, your rose and thorn, best and worst from episode eight. Be honest, be vulgar. What does your heart say? Mm. Well, okay. But aside from Rosamund Pike, who's always my rose Ugh, of every episode. God. Rosamund Pike looking haggard. Yes. And Daniel Henney doing anything. I think my, <laughs> I think I've killed him. <laughs> but, um, hey, all I got to say is I got to meet uh, Jenny, lesbian, nerdy, lesbian, nerdy. And she did this little gradient on her gayness. And she says, you know, based on the scale, I'm 97.5% lesbian, but that two and a half percent is reserved for land slash Daniel Henney. Yeah. Just in case I wasn't sure. So I, that, uh, I, I understand. I'm going to let you know that this show is a bisexual playground. It is, there is not one ugly person in this cast. It's really a cornucopia of riches. It's truly just an excellent show. Life is For beautiful. that reason alone. Yeah. yeah. Life is bounty. But um, I think my favorite, my rose, is... Um, I just... Okay, I really loved Rand's whole thing about, like, I... This isn't the woman I love. Oh, fuck. I, that was my roast. Yes. Yeah. That was my roast, too. That, that he understood. He, uh, like, I just think that's such an incredible, healthy example of what it is to, like, love someone and also realize that you're not the one for them. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, like who they that are. That is like, such a real. It's just like in Shit's Creek where the two, again, spoilers for Shit's Creek, but. There's a moment where two people in that show realize that they are not, they cannot be together and pursue their dreams, right? And they make the very mature decision that they're going to part ways so that they don't get in the way of each other's dreams. And I think it's one of the most beautiful scenes ever written in, in life because it's Just so healthy, but also painful. Yeah. 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 La, la, la. Oh, that's Elaine for sure. Wait till you meet Elaine. She's a little bit Alexis, but she's a lot bit Alexis. She's a lot bit Alexis, <laughs> but, um, so that that to me, I'm like, if I I wish I were a young like woman seeing that oh my scene, God. period. Like I think it's incredible. Um, because just the societal expectation is that women will just give up everything for men and that men are just going to be like, yeah, that's what they should do. Cause I'm a well, man. Well, and then and also that life. like women <laughs> who have ambition should be scorned and that they're not desirable and that they're unlovable and that they and it, it, it's Rand saying, like, I love, I love, like, I love her for so many reasons, but also because of her ambition. Yeah, and if you take that ambition out of her, if you take that away and that she's just like a domesticated housewife, that is not who she is. And I don't love that. That's yeah. not And there's my nothing person. wrong with being a domesticated housewife. It's just if that, if that is the person that you are. But that's not her. And like. That it should also be okay. Um, so I love that. My thorn, probably the makeup on Nynaeve's face, just because I've had to explain to so many people yeah. that she's still yeah. alive. And I'm just like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired. I'm you, tired. you had an opportunity to not make me explain this. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm like, you talk to each other, tell each other that it's too dark. 
It's too dark to see. And I just with fantasy shows, I'm like, please, for the love of God, make Turn it light enough for us. Light. All I will say to you, Allie, is communication in my in wheel of my time. Wheel of time. Uh, not right, even next. between departments. Not even uh, between the departments. <laughs> Gus never Rosen Thorne. Oh gosh. Well, I I I would have to say I can't really say too much about what my rose is but i i think um because it's spoilers i i think the the thematic parallels that exist in this episode both within the episode and more broadly that i can't talk about are are really on point uh and made me appreciate the episode a lot more than ali can right now um what sorry. do i not know we'll get there in a few years uh that's all i'm gonna say and yeah. I, I, I think, uh, do I want to be hot take man or no? Hot take yes. Gussie. I, you know, I really didn't like, I, this is the, I don't like that they, I, I don't like shoehorning the landline. Get out, get out I of think this it house. Been in episode seven. Go into the blizzard. I love that. I knew I love that was what you were going to say. And I would like you to go into I the think blizzard. It's a beautiful, a beautiful speech. I don't get think it out of this there. house. And I, I'm glad that Rafe put it in. I wish he hadn't put it in there. Boo. Boo. <laughs> you know what? There's nothing wrong with saying, I wish he hadn't put it in there. That's true. <laughs> Drawing boundaries. He could have asked. I Consent. hate us. I hate you. <laughs> well said. Well said. I hate us. <laughs> you go. Great. Great. Well, I already said what my thorn was, although I can't remember the exact scene anymore because we've covered so much ground. But there was the. Was... Oh, sorry. No, sorry. I, I thought ahead. I remembered, and then I didn't. Rand leaving. <laughs> Rand leaving. Just his grumpiness on on the departure. Uh, sure. Just a couple of words could have done so much more there. Um, I, I <laughs> my. I was going to say my my rose was actually I talked about it before about um, Land's speech, but I didn't have all the thing of being a breakup and and being different era i just like the way these, it's a beautiful speech. it's, a, it's no, a great please. moment and it i like the way the two actors played off each other in that and They're it was beautiful. just so sincere and it was just lovely the way they did bite I did, him I did sure like no, it. bite I'm, him i'm glad i'm very happy you that could we take it but i, I don't have great. the depth of, of context that you guys yeah. all have so. but it's also matter. okay to like watch the matter. show and be like that register it did register for me and i liked it and it registered it. for me I'm too. I'm glad it did. And Gus, I think that's can terrific. you go eat bricks? That's that's <laughs> true too. There's bricks over there. I appreciate why it wasn't your favorite, and the same with the Grendel. But um, I, yeah. I'm glad you liked it. I'm really I, happy. I liked the scene, and then I found out tonight that it was actually from the book. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, the I think part of the reason it doesn't land for me is because even now I probably read Eye of the World. I don't know over thirty times in my life. Um, Every time I read that scene, I cry. Uh, mm -hmm. It is, and like in the show, it happened, and I didn't cry. And I thought that was telling that, like, it didn't land for me in the same way. And it's such a great moment that I was like, this is one of the moments that I wish, like, we for Manetherin when they all sing now, like, that is something that gets me teared up in the show when they're all so, singing yes, that, and then Maureen does it. I'm like, I get emotional, I get choked up. This moment with Daniel Henney, I'm like, I feel nothing. I don't, I don't 
get choked up watching this. And that's why I think same as Gus, like if they, maybe if they put it in, in seven or if they'd saved it for a different season, somewhere where it could have packed the punch where I actually cried. Um, Cause I Ooh. turned to fantasy to feel things, you know, yep. depression and I, anxiety. I, that's <laughs> what we turn to fantasy for. I it's just fun. feel like Daniel Henney is going to turn to the camera about and a wink and go, I did it. After he says it, like, I don't know. Yeah. Again, I'm glad it worked for you. Boo. Yeah. Um, Boo. My, what was my rose? There's so many, I think. Oh, you hate love. Rose moments. <laughs> I hope that was in your bowels. Um, <laughs> Gus, I love you, even though you hate love. You hate, <laughs> you hate love. And me. <laughs> Why we're here today, I'm confused. That's how that started. COVID. COVID cup. COVID cup. Our marriage? COVID COVID cup. Uh, What was my rose? It's definitely something in the random moraine. You know what? Actually, no. I'm just going to break away from that because we've all talked about it. My rose is the cold clothes. Um, Mm. Oh, my God. I loved it. Especially the small child who was swept away by the... There is nothing that brings me greater joy than a small child who is 4 to 15 years of age getting crushed by a wave. (laughs) It's satisfying in a primal way. (laughs) Oddly. Love that. Um, You're always rooting for the wave. You gotta, you gotta give a wave for Fuck the wave, them kids. Fuck oh, them kids. That's right. The, the mother. <laughs> uh, no, the cold open just because it it just assured me after all of this and after all of the changes and after everything that we saw. Um, even the first time I watched it through, it was really cool to see that. Like, just a reminder. Remember. Rafe has read the books. Remember, Rafe has a vision. Remember, we know where we're going. Remember, there have been breadcrumbs along the way to let us know that other things are happening in this world. Remember, the world is not just this. Remember, this is not the final battle. This is very important. Speaking in foreign language. Um, That... Just like every time, like it, it still packs the same, like, holy fuck, I'm so excited. It that's what gets like, in, not, not hope, but like in terms of what gets me geared up for season two, it is that scene. It is the sizzle reel. It is a Gwen scream. It is so many things. And I am beyond excited now for season two. Rewatch just amplified it. That scene in particular makes me more excited about a show even than than season one like i am keyed up for this season now thorn um it is the wave a crown of thorns may i say anytime perrin is on screen in an episode i knew you were gonna fucking say that i was just gonna say is it perrin just <laughs> Except for the scene in the tavern with Mind. Yeah, the Mind yeah. scene was great. I like great scene. scene. scene was great. Scene. It was great. I really um, like. I really like what they were doing with Mind. God, fuck. Uh, where she's just a bitter drunk. I. I am also a bitter drunk. This is my life. <laughs> I relate. I feel represented on screen. I feel seen. <laughs> I feel known. I feel. <laughs> happy to be here. The best. I'm happy to be there. 
Uh, well, that wraps up our coverage of episode eight and I guess Rafe Judkin's interview as well. Uh, Allie and Gus, what do you guys have coming down the pipe on wheel takes? Oh, oh man. man. Uh, yeah, wow, Jinx. Not a ton right now. We're, we're in book eight. Oh. Uh, we're pushing through. We're going to have an, our, our, our annual uh, What Song Are You is going to come out soon. Uh, and I say this, I say this every year. This is my magnum opus. We match this, Wheel of Time characters season, to holiday songs. This and season we, I, I mean popped off. Okay, I am proud of this one. I think you all will like it. If you look ahead uh, three months, uh, you can look very far forward to the Grinwell Cup coming back. But that's not until March. Yes. Who will join the Heroes of the Horny this year? Yes. So we'll get there when we get there. If you don't know what it is, it's (laughs) it's a it's a March Madness bracket where we ask people who the hottest character in the Wheel of Time is. Yes. So far, the winners who characters you don't know. (laughs) Ah, yes. So no one's hot in Eye of the World. Apparently, (laughs) just kidding. But there are two. There are two people when they We're talking about win. the book characters, not the actors. No, that's weird. That's weird. Uh, but the but two people have joined the pantheon of the heroes of the horny, uh, and that makes them ineligible for the next year. So that yes. it's fair to everyone else that we don't keep getting the same winner over and over again because no one likes that. That's what we've got going on, and you can learn all about that on Twitter if it's still you know as a website if it's still kicking around if not yeah. maybe it'll be on mastodon or hive, hive or, spoutable no. or something. whatever social media platform arises <laughs> discord i don't know we'll find out i will say there was a time over the pandemic that well when the grand Wall cup first started so it was the year 2021 um it was march the end mm-hmm. of march and someone decided to pit one character against another. That's vague enough. And I have feelings about a certain character, and I didn't realize other feelings about a different character. Um, and so uh, Lesbian Nerdy and I, Jenny and I, appealed to one of our friends who is a romance author oh, yes. with... Um, I don't know, 20,000 plus followers on Twitter. Yeah, about 28, I think. I'll never forget that day. And I said, uh, dear Brie, people are speaking ill of one character. Will you ride to our aid? And she put out the mass tweet and our character won. There you go. Um, Yes. And then we went on a live stream with Allie and Gus to talk about this result. Jenny and I, and I had drinks that were drunk. Mm-hmm. And two days so later, I. I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that is the greatest story I've ever heard in my life. With the other, the other hilarious yeah, thing was, was Gus good. and I were sitting at a coffee shop when all of this went down, and Gus just looks up at me. I will never forget this. He's like, "Um, so uh, this." romance writer is tweeting about the Grinwall Cup and I was like why vote for blank was like, I will with like 20,000 followers is tweeting about the Grinwall Cup and I was like why and and there was just like vote for blank or I will cut you and I was like what it was very important <laughs> yes and now we've since become friends with with this romance writer but it was a very it was a very funny day because we were both like what is what happening? is happening? What is going on in the House of Commons? Like that is our feeling. Yeah. Anyway, so you can you can find Wheel Takes pod 
Uh, gosh, I guess you're still on, obviously, all major podcasting. We are, mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, and now you're sponsored. So And now um, we're on Heart Radio. I Heart Radio. The ads uh, if we, it's new. They, for some offended. reason, they rejected us for many years. Which is really funny. But because now we're working with their thing. But I, so now, now we, we came in. Buddies. We came in uh, through the back door. So, what so you can. I you didn't can, mean that in a dirty way. I really didn't. You know what? Back door doesn't have to be dirty if you keep it clean. It, it, um, it inherently is not. Anyway, <laughs> you can catch wheel takes. I'm going to link all of their links that can be linked. Um, you can listen to all of their book by book episodes. You can also, if you're a show only uh, fan, you can also listen to their show episodes where they go into great, 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 great detail about everything that can be said about these episodes. They are the ones that we turn to uh, when we need an expert eye on the ground. I hope you enjoyed listening to them tonight. This is just a little bit of a taste of what you can expect from Allie and Gus. Thank you two so much for joining us. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry we've talked. I'm sorry that we did four hours with you. Oh my God. (laughs) Sorry that we did four hours, but I'm sorry that we absorbed four hours. We are the worst guests ever. I we overstay our welcome on every podcast we've yes. ever been on. I apologize. For putting up the welcome has before. not been overstayed. Um, Graham is retired. Uh, I have two grandkids sleeping overnight. Though, yeah, so this 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 dumbass is uh, still not working until the new year, and nice. uh, it's supposed to be snow tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes. So I think that means kind of a lazy morning. Um, Ooh, eggs, bacon, yes. and toast for breakfast uh, before we have poutine, I guess, for lunch because my nephew has decided that he will now be having chocolate poutine. <laughs> All right. Sounds <laughs> like Canada. Course. Sounds horrible. I've never been more proud. Yeah. Everything is bad. Yeah. And that, yeah. that is, you know <laughs> what? If I, if I had to caption episode eight, Chocolate poutine. I like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That it's works. not what you expect. It might not be good, but, but it is. Intriguing. And that's something. <laughs> <laughs> it sticks. It's there. It 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 is food. It and is that is what matters. Digested. I will uh, be I will be shoveling snow tomorrow because I'm still delighted by that. And because it I didn't grow work out. I it is a great snow. workout. Yeah. Yeah. Get out it, there, get it. your parka on, get a little hoodie. Um, while, Sing a Allie, song. <laughs> while Allie is shoveling snow, Feather and Mountain Podcast can be found on all major podcasting net- platforms. Uh, we are still on Twitter for some reason. I don't actually really know why, um, but we're there. We're drowning. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we're on a little corner of the Wheel Reads Discord server. Just a wee nook if you want to engage with us there. Uh, you can also email us at featherandmountainpodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any uh, comments, critiques, criticism that aren't rooted in constructive commentary about what changes you would have liked to have seen um, and are more about uh, what the team is doing and how they're ruining 
this book series, um, you can take that to shove it up your ass at um, Tarwin's Not Gapped Enough. Dot com. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, friends. Bye. Namarie.